Consequence Podcast Network. From the leafy streets of Springwood, Ohio, to the barred windows at 1428, we are Halloweenies. This is God. And believe in my dream for me. Believe in my dream just for me. And we'll break the mold. Greetings and welcome once again to Halloweenies, a Freddy Krueger podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, a.k.a. Dream Demons, Justin Gerber. And you can also find me on the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. You know, guys, I believe it was Nietzsche who once said, (laughs) Do you know the terror of he who sleeps? I'm sorry, do you know the terror of he who falls asleep? To the toes, he is very terrified because the ground gives way under him and the dream begins. And I believe it was Freddy Krueger who once said, Welcome to primetime, bitch. So that must mean that we're here to talk about the definitive, unquestionable finale to the Elm Street series. <laughs> Just kidding. 1991's Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare. And since we've covered the Halloween franchise in the past, we, we're going to have to discuss some major news that dropped this past week surrounding that franchise as well. But before we do that, let's journey around an abandoned Springwood, introduce ourselves and briefly discuss the first time we saw Freddy's Dead. Now, the person to the right of me, who will be introducing himself, we try to shake things up on this series. Uh, we usually have different guests every week. We've had, you know, Lara's come back a couple times. She'll come back in the future. But I remember the moment uh, in our last episode for The Dream Child, he mentioned he actually kind of liked Freddy's Dead. <laughs> and so immediately we were all like, oh, well, he has got to come back uh, He's the next one. month. He's the only He's one. The one. <laughs> so please introduce yourself and tell us what you do and, and the first time you saw Freddy's Dead. Uh, this is Mike Junk Monkey Vanderbilt, <laughs> oh. uh, assistant editor of uh, Daily Grindhouse. And the first time I saw Freddy's Dead, it was the first uh, Nightmare on Street movie I saw at the show. My dad took me and my sister. I would have been 11 in September of 91 to see it uh, at Ford City 14 on Chicago's South Side because we were just jazzed because of the uh, the 3D element. Mm. We had to go to the theater to see it. And it was like, so you remember being 9, 10, 11 years old when every movie you went to see was your favorite movie? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. this was one of the first times I walked out and, like, did it. Like, it was okay, I <laughs> guess. Yeah. So yeah, the saw it uh, at the theater first. Wow, one. that's incredible. Yeah. All right. Cross I wish you. I still had the 3D glasses, but I lost them a long time ago. <laughs> well, we have some, we have a 3D update for you later yeah, on the episode. Yeah. Uh, who are you? Uh, this is Mackenzie Maggie Gerber. Wow. Um, also known as Catherine. Uh, I am a constant <laughs> collaborator with this podcast as well as the Losers Club. And the first time I saw Freddy's Dead. I honestly don't remember because uh, much like a certain character in this, I tried to block these memories from my myself. I, I honestly do not remember when I saw this, Justin. It's repressed memories like Maggie herself. Was it with you? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell if it was with me or not. Uh, I definitely didn't watch the 3D aspect of it. I, I, I definitely think it was with you. I think we were just we were going through the films and finally got to this one. And uh, yeah, I, I don't I remember not liking it then. Yeah. And I was not very old at the time to be making these decisions like you were saying like i was i was pretty young and i still recognized that it was just a total drop off from part five i don't and, know doesn't the church say i think when you're three years old you officially have a soul so if uh, you're not yeah, baptized so, you, you know, go to hell something like that, that right? yeah i think you're right so let's go across the pond for some more religious answers who who is who are we speaking to over the phone here 
This is Dan John Doe Caffrey. <laughs> um, Matt, Mac, like you, I can't remember the. Uh, honestly, the last time I remember watching this movie was with with you guys and and Chris Acevedo. Um, Remember we were binging a bunch of nightmare movies at your place. And yeah. We heard your na- we yeah. heard your upstairs neighbors scream, and you were like, "Oh, she's pretty old. I should go check on her." And it turns out it was the same night that the Blackhawks uh, won the Stanley Cup, and she was so happy because she'd been in Chicago her whole life. And I love that we were watching. You had no Freddy idea Day. that was going on. No clue. It's I was there too. I mean, to be honest, this was the this was the championship, and we were watching Freddy's Dead. So yeah, we did. We were not huge sports heads. No. Over well, here. no, you speak for yourself. I, I'm a huge baseball, basketball, football fan, but I have I, I just have zero interest in hockey. So I also yeah. was just kind of like, what's happening? You know, I didn't know, and I just moved to Chicago too, so. I didn't know what the vibe would be. In I like that the scariest thing that happened during Freddy's Dead viewing was that we thought someone upstairs in my building might have been hurt. (laughs) And it's funny because I I know that wasn't the first time I saw the movie, but that's that's like the only time I can remember watching it before this. Like you, I I must have seen it when I was younger, but I I must have blocked it out also. I agree. I mean, we all have so many memories of the earlier movies, like where we were, what what network we watched it on, or if we saw it in theaters, or if we rented it, but. For me, the the biggest, the earliest memory I can say I have of this movie is I remember, I do remember this. It was raining in fifth grade. I was in Miss Boone's class. Oh, Miss Boone. And somebody brought in a Fangoria magazine. And there was a big promo for Freddy's Dead in there. And I vividly remember that and being like, I really want to see this movie. Oh my God, they're killing Freddy. I, I couldn't grasp the concept of, 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 of marketing, you know? I was just like, <laughs> they're really going to do it. And so I remember that vividly. I've definitely seen the movie a few times over the years. Could not tell you the first time I saw it, but I do remember seeing it with with all of you when I first moved here about nine That's years ago. I remember I, that. I only remember that. I don't, I I don't even remember watching the movie. I remember I remember this when I heard the lady upstairs, but I don't remember sitting down and actually watching this with y'all. But I remember that night, which is weird. It's, I truly tried to block this thing from, from existence. Yeah. I think we did five, like four and five, maybe that maybe it's four or five and, and six back to back. I can't, we did like a bunch of them. I remember. So we yeah. did. I remember Dan, we, we watched, we watched Freddy's dead and then we went right into a new nightmare. Right after oh, that, yeah. nice which battle. which didn't help Freddy's probably dead, but, made a new nightmare. It just um, seemed like a, uh, the greatest. So thing yeah, those are our earliest <laughs> memories of Freddy's Dead. Uh, the fact that we couldn't remember much about it growing up <laughs> might speak volumes for the rest of this episode. Maybe not. We'll see. But uh, it's time to move on to our next category. Now again, no real news on the nightmare front right now. Um, Right? Am I, am I crazy about that? No, I, I mean... Oh, wait, that's know, a lie. You see articles every once in a while that... That's a, I apologize, that's a lie. Yeah, what? What's the director on? of Crawl. Yes. Hot Tension. The Hills of Eyes. I'm in the butcher's name. Is it Alejandro Aja? I'd like that. I think yeah. that's right. Okay. So, yeah. He mentioned, he expressed interest in, in bringing this franchise back. Now, as I, we've always talked about, you know, when people say, I would like to do something these days, that gets reported as, you know, full-blown <laughs> news. Sure. It's yeah. actually happening. But so let's take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, no joke. So I want to talk about this for a second. In our next category, which we call... Miss me. All right, so AHA. I'm going to pronounce him... It's A-J-A. I believe he's Spanish or French, so... Do you, well, I've never... I, I've, no, I've known I, this guy for I, years. Know, I've never I heard his name spo- spoken that phonetically. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Anyway, keep in mind, The Hills of Eyes film that he did back in 2006, I think it was, yeah. was a remake of Wes Craven's original from the 70s so how how do you feel about him maybe taking on the nightmare property um i really liked uh don't breathe oh no that's a different director oh wait is this different 
That's different. Yeah, that's Fe- I'm sorry. That's I Fede think. Alvarez. I take that. Who, who I know is pronounced Fede. <laughs> I got those names confused. Shame <laughs> on me. What an amateur move. I was always gunning when they were talking about rebooting or bringing back Nightmare Nights. Because I don't think they'd do a reboot. I think at this point they'd drop the wheelbarrow of money out in front of Robert Unglund's house and get him to put the makeup on one more time. Yeah. Um, I always liked Lee Wannell, who did uh, Upgrade. Yeah, he also wrote a bunch of the Saw movies. I think he's he's been tapped to direct a remake, unfortunately, of Escape from New York <laughs> in the next couple of years, too. I mean, I don't know. I think he really... I, I don't know about... Because what you said he did, uh, Hills Have Eyes, How Tension, and Crawl. He also did Crawl, but he also Crawl. did, like, Mirrors. He did Piranha. And he did some other movie that was kind of a low-budget, maybe straight-to-video thing. I, I may, Maybe I'm forgetting something else here. I don't know. You know, he'd probably do fine, I guess. I don't yeah. know. I think you need somebody with more of a... If you really wanted to do a Nightmare on the Street movie these days, you're never going to make Freddy scary again. So don't even try to do it. So lean into the sci-fi action, slight comedy vibe. And I think you need more of a director that does that. Hmm. That's my... Man, for, what up, Piranha? Because I actually haven't seen Piranha, so I can't... I can't it's, a full blown, it's a full-blown comedy. Yeah. It's a full-blown comedy. Because I, I don't know, man. I mean, if he already took one Wes Craven property, and I, I think made it better than the original, personally. Um, I, actually, I really, like, I really like that remake of I, Hell's I, I like that so much better than the original. I, I fucking loved Crawl. I thought Crawl was, like, so fun. But Night, Nightmare is tough. I mean, it's so iconic at this point. Like Mike said, it's like, how do you make Freddy fresh again? You know, I mean, which would be a huge challenge. But I, th- I would be excited. I don't know. I think he's, like, one of the better horror directors working today. What, what about you guys, though? Uh, I think... Yeah, I'm director. Directors to me are like are secondary. Like, who's writing this thing? <laughs> you know, like what what is the story? Uh, I mean, because you could you could give this to like an up and coming. I mean, look at the original movies. A lot of those were just up and coming filmmakers that hadn't done anything before. You know what I mean? So yeah, do that again, but have a strong script and have good actors. Or hell, just have a strong script. You don't <laughs> have to have good actors. Look at these movies. Uh, Agreed. I think that. Th- Truth. Yeah, right and there. and I feel like there was an idea that Robert England had a while ago that I actually was a big fan of, and because you know he just can't do the physicality of the character anymore, and at, at to the extent of which he used to, you know, I mean, he's getting a lot older. But I think that if he came back and did this, I think it would be a very cool kind of like campfire tale situation where people kind of told their own version of freddy where robert england is in the 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 last version of freddy the last story that's told that is freddy but the other ones could be different versions of what people have just kind of heard like almost a legend situation so you can have other actors portray their version of freddy like what if freddy was like this really strong man kind of thing or something or what if freddy like was super like freddy. super freddy <laughs> yeah well you know yeah we've done that before but i, I guess than a you hundred could, maniacs was it <laughs> but you could do you but you could almost pull different types of horror like what if it was like what if freddy was more of like a japanese horror like ringu kind of thing you know yes. or you know like i think that would be a very interesting way of kind of bringing him back and then also having robert england having that last story be the the robert england and the freddy that we all know and love having that be a really strong last like one dream but i can you tell know, you that, that uh that batman episode which I like yeah absolutely was it the scarecrow hallucination episode um, um but you can still have robert england like <laughs> play those roles because what you can do with i i mean i know people practical effects practical effects practical effects i think nightmare on elm street movies a new nightmare on elm street movie could benefit so much from CGI in creating a truly uh, interesting dream world. Yeah. I agree on that, Mike. We talked about this a little bit I last time, did, too. Yeah. Because for me with CGI, I, I'm usually anti-CGI when it comes to 
real world action. But because it's so hallucinatory, it doesn't have to look authentic if you're in a dream. You know? Yeah, like, I don't know if you all have seen the new Spider-Man movie. But yes, the, I did. The Mysterio sequences. Agreed. Where... It, it, it's it's awesome and that you could totally use that kind of thing now especially these days because now it really is hard to tell <laughs> what is and isn't cg if you're doing it correctly and if you're doing it in a dream sequence scenario like oh my god like please like this it just really lends itself to that and something else with the, the physicality that i know robert england's concerned with and i say this as somebody who is very far away from being i believe 70 years old like robert <laughs> england is but if you take out the final confrontations from those movies there really isn't a lot of, you know, actual, gra- you know, grappling with people going on. A lot yeah. of it's just s- slinging your arm around and killing somebody or, yeah. you know. I mean, I, I agree with you on that point. I, I just feel like I think it's more in, in the sense that I don't know if he, I don't know, if, if getting him back to do it. I don't know if he would really want to do it anymore. And they think about how long he has to sit in that chair to do the makeup and stuff. I think it'd be easier to get him back to just be on set for like a couple of days and do like one last thing. You could do now. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. God, oh God my no. younger self is going to hate me. Doing? Just CGI on the makeup. No, absolutely not. I, 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 we've come so you know, far. Funny, I think though, you could pull I, off. I think you could make it look really good. You know, I think you could pull it off. It's funny you mention that because when we talk about Freddy in this movie, <laughs> I, I, I actually I have a little bit of a... Maybe we could have CG'd some of this one. But um, yeah, no, I... Yeah, I don't. I think you can. It pull just off sounds now. like this movie shouldn't be made. Is what it sounds. Well, like. as I've always also said, is if I, he is too tied into this character, I we we had an Academy Award nominee play him last time, and it just wasn't the same because it wasn't Robert England. It's kind of fascinating, just because like you know, so many actors have played, let's say, Dracula, and everybody's got their favorite Dracula. Yeah, but I can't see anybody else other than. England doing pretty good. I agree. Dan, what do you think about that? I agree with, with Mike. Yeah, I would, I, would, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about Jason. I know everyone loves Kane Hodder. The, the most is Jason, but I would also argue that it's not like we need the next Jason movie has to have him in it, you know, but Robert England, I think because Freddie's so talky and because it relies, he's such a personality that, yeah, I mean, it, it is hard to disassociate anyone from him. I mean, I, and I thought Jack Earl Haley did a fine job, but it, like you guys said, it wasn't the same. It, it, it's, I would argue that England's performance is probably the most iconic out of all that, you know, the sort of like horror movies we watch when we were growing up. Who, who fa- favorite Dracula? Really quick, Gary Oldman for me. Uh, Chris Sarandon, Fright Night. Does that count as a Dracula? I'm counting him. I'd probably go on Chris <laughs> Sarandon too. That's honestly where my or Christopher mind, Lee. My, I like Christopher. Christopher Lee's awesome. I like too. that era. Yeah. What? What? Uh, who? Who just? The, oh, Jonathan Rhys Myers. <laughs> NBC's Dracula. No, no, coming. Uh, well, isn't no, Stephen even, isn't Stephen Moffat uh, rebooting Dracula? Yeah, as a and uh, Mark Addis are uh, have a new, I think, a three part miniseries coming out with uh, a character actor playing Dracula for yeah. once, as opposed oh, to some hottie, which I'm is a good twist. Uh, one thing's for sure that we can all agree on is that we really have to bone up on knowing where directors come from and how to pronounce their names. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the big news that came out at Comic Con. Huge, huge news. It was news that when I, when I first read it, I thought it was fake and somebody was just posting from a fake account, but it is, in fact, true. And so let me go over this. Uh, account, at Comic-Con, folks, if you thought Michael Myers was dead and Laurie Strode finally had her revenge for the first time Jesus. last year in 2018, you're wrong. <laughs> because not one, but two <laughs> Halloween movies were announced. We're going to see... <laughs> October 16th, 2020, my 40th birthday, by the way. Oh, oh, wow. Now we're definitely going to do something like that. <laughs> the film Halloween Kills. It's not real. That title's not real. I, I swear it's real. Halloween Kills. 
making that up. Uh, is coming out with David Gordon Green returning. He's going to be uh, directing and co-writing once again with Danny McBride. And a newcomer to the series, Scott Teams. That name may sound familiar to you prestige television people out there because he was a producer and writer for Rectify, which a lot of people I know love, which oh, I have not seen. That's awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, when I think of uh, this franchise, I think of shows like Rectify. Well, I'm saying it's a good it's a good writer apparently, and also Narcos Mexico, which I hear is quite good too. But another mm-hmm. show I, I'll probably just never get around to at this point. <laughs> it's just too many hours; I can't catch up. In 2021, the day before my 41st birthday, <laughs> October 15th, <laughs> Halloween ends, intended quote unquote as the finale of the saga, Let- will be released. Da- David Gordon Green once again coming back with Danny McBride. And this time, two additional writers are also getting credited. Chris Bernier, who doesn't have a lot in his resume, but he did. He, he, I think he was the showrunner for some Hulu anthology Halloween series that came out a couple years ago. Okay. okay. Yeah. You know, clap sure. your hands if you know what I'm talking about. And Paul Brad Logan, who wrote Manglehorn with Al Pacino that David Gordon Green directed a couple years ago. So, so once again, you're getting like these like high drama prestige writers. <laughs> And, you know, a couple of years ago, I probably would have been very excited, but I don't want to get into negative once again right off the bat. I want to go to Dan, who definitely is the biggest <laughs> Halloween 2018 fan. It took him about six or seven viewings to get there and hundreds of dollars. But I think Dan is <laughs> is officially the big Halloween 2018 head. So, Dan, what do you think about all this news and how do you feel about it and what, what direction do you think it's going to go in? Look, man, I'm excited. I I know when it comes out, we're gonna nitpick it and we'll criticize it. I'm, I'll probably do the same because I'm sure there will there will be misgivings I have with it or whatever. But right. look, man, I'm I'm always gonna like more Halloween movies, and and I, I think I think you could have done a whole lot worse than Halloween 2018. Um, I agree. Look, I give know, it a like, tough time. But it's not like I hated the movie. I give it like a five out of ten or something like that. You know, I'm sorry, two yeah. and a half. Two and was and it jack o lanterns? Glowing jack. And uh, yeah, and I, I don't know. I I have read things about David Gordon Green and Danny McBride saying that they they want to kind of do something wild with this one. I don't know if they will or not. Who knows? But yeah, I'm excited. We get we get two Halloween movies uh, a year apart. Uh, it sounds like they're already both written. I think they're going to film them at the same time. I look for whatever I said about that movie on that initial episode. Like you said, I have watched it so many times since then. You know, uh, so I can't. Uh, I, I can't trash the movie too much. I can't lie if I didn't. I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't excited when I saw that announcement. And uh, that's all I want to say on it for now because I, I, we that's all we know. We haven't seen that's, that's very true. That's all we know. We all we know. Plot or anything. Oh, I should have uh, mentioned Jamie Lee Curtis obviously coming back and Ryan Turek uh, coming back to executive produce as well. It always makes me feel good to watch Halloween movies except Resurrection. But um, so <laughs> I, it's, it's always going to be a good thing for me and I'm sure we'll have it will have its flaws. But I, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm on board and I, I I hope they'll do right by it. So that's 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 my that's my word, and I'm sticking to it. Allow me to add to the positivity. Yeah, like yeah. what I I really impressed with is that Bloomhouse is really staying true to the franchise and the fans by cranking out shitty sequels every fucking year, <laughs> which I miss. And we missed this I, from I, the eighties. This is it's, very it's, exciting. We're gonna get in two more shitty Halloween movies. This is gonna be great. You know, I will say that though, um, it is fun. Even though I was not excited about this news at all, uh, <laughs> I think that you know we're getting more horror films, and it's more more fodder for the 
for the fire. You know, like I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to. It. We're gonna see it. You know, it'll be something that we do. It's, we talk about it, and you of course know, I'm gonna see it. We, we'll celebrate your forties like that. You know, I can tell you right now, um, I'll probably either be seeing this at a <laughs> uh, an advanced screening or the next day. I'm not gonna spend my fortieth birthday watching. <laughs> Halloween two part the the third or fourth version of Halloween you know, two you know, when it, in the theater just muttering yourself like oh, I can't believe I'm going <laughs> Halloween kills me you know uh, when I heard the title Halloween kills all I could think about was that Halloween becomes manifest and goes after Michael Myers in this movie oh, wow I like this I can't think about speed hey, kills kind of like a Dan Etchison sort of thing yeah I mean, oh, yeah, yeah let's yeah. hey if if they Dan if they say Oh, by the way, we're scrapping this screenplay for Halloween Kills, and we're just going to bring back and kind of rewrite the '87 or '86 Dennis Etchison <laughs> Halloween Four. I would be oh, all okay. in now. Now I'm back. I'm 100 percent back in because once again we've been promised that you know oh, we're going to shake things up this time. And don't don't just just tell me you're going to make a dumb Halloween movie. Don't tell me you're going to turn well, the formula know, or you know turn I things read, on its head. I, I read another article that said that when the the the, the, talk, the talk about shaking things up, yeah, is actually in this movie. They're gonna. They're actually gonna make him brother and sister with. Them. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I pray to God that's the twist of this. Is that the, it, they turn? But here's the, the thing, back Silver Shamrock. But can just we, for the love yeah, of God, can bring we, back Silver Can we just Shamrock. talk for two seconds though about the idea that why it, they went to such lengths to make Laurie Strode not connected to him? That why is she going to be in these next two movies? <laughs> because it's it's Jamie Lee Curtis. I this we I know we were texting about this, but I. I totally buy the fact that she was the one that got away. She was the one that largely put him in jail. Um, well, not put him in jail. But he doesn't. But you know what I mean. Yeah, but he doesn't back, know that. He, does he just chases somebody town. through the woods, and and she ends up. He ends up at the house. I don't know, but but Halloween has that fate angle baked into it of just of just like things are going to happen in, uh, inevitably. Look, my 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 honestly, my for me, the biggest flaw with the remake was the way how the movie had to bend over backwards to get everyone to the house. I don't know why Michael Myers kind of just like showed up. You know, I would have bought that. But that being said, I mean, I, I think he it does have that force of nature aspect baked into it. And so I kind of buy that he just fixate. I mean, he fixated on her when he saw her in the classroom in that very first movie. Why wouldn't he say fixate on because her? Because this one? is a total, like, <laughs> I don't even know. What I mean, to say. I, I get what you're saying. You can fix me on that one. To, He's got a crush. If we're Fair. supposed to agree, if we're supposed to believe that the first film is still part of that, this franchise. No, it is. Yeah, the first one. Is. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Is like <laughs> the I believe first one is the second the fate one isn't baked, the third one maybe <laughs> the fate baked askness of it. Like okay, but you know that's just I'm everybody seemed generally positive except for Justin and I. So I think it's a little well balanced here. I think we're gonna get a lot more news <laughs> over the next year about this film or the next two films and and see, and we're definitely gonna cover it. So we'll see. Wait, it is they are being filmed at the same time, right? I'm, I'm just well. The they rumor are. was that they were going to be coming out at the same time. Remember yeah, this like, be- like a week ago, but I feel like they're probably just being filmed at the same time. Makes sense from a. I think them coming out at the same time would actually probably not allow them to make quite as much money on it. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Like, so it kind of makes sense. To me. And, oh, and look, totally. we, I know, I know that Jason Blum, Blum or Bloom, I, I don't know. It's how to Blum. Say Blum. Blum. I, I, I know that he'll have a heavy hand in it. He is a producer. I know that there are a lot of decisions that are being made outside of Danny McBride and David Gordon Green's control. However, we do know that as a filmmaker, David Gordon Green does have it in him to make something avant-garde and kind of crazy. I'm not saying that's what will definitely happen, but you know, I don't want to lose my faith completely that he won't do something unexpected with these two movies. And I do like the title, so fuck you guys. <laughs> hey, well, maybe he'll pull like a like a Joe Dante with Gremlins two, you know, like do like a total one eighty and turn a thing oh, two wild, things on But but here's the thing: fool me once. That's what I say. 
Fool me twice, shame on me. All right, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not anticip. I'm not eagerly anticipating this movie at this point. You let me down. You let me down. It's not hard to. It's also not hard to to come up with better titles than the original title of this film, Halloween, which is the sequel to <laughs> the same movie, the same title, Halloween. You know. So this is Halloween Kills, yeah, which, which is officially Halloween Three. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, all right, my head hurts. My head hurts so bad. I feel like I'm going nuts. I think it's time to sign myself in willingly to the Weston Hills Asylum. The fact that we all dreamt about this guy before we ever met doesn't seem to impress anybody. So we go in circles, making minimal progress with maximum effort. You won't make any progress until you recognize your dreams for what they are. And what are they? The byproducts of guilt. Psychological scars stemming from moral conflicts and overt sexuality. Oh, great. Nass, my dick is killing me. Okay, for, so for this section, we're going to talk about you know, the, the behind the scenes of Freddy's Dead, ultimately the synopsis of the film itself and kind of rundown who directed, produced it. 1991, or probably 1990, more around that time. As we talked about in our last episode, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child, did not do good at the box office. And that was coming off of the relative failure of Freddy's Nightmares, the anthology series from the late 80s. Freddy fatigue <laughs> may have great alliteration, but... Uh, <laughs> It was very real at the time, and even Bob, and, and and to Bob Shea's credit, even though this is the franchise that made him essentially, it made New Line Cinema. He saw the writing on the wall, the bloody wall, and realized that it was over for Freddy, and wanted to kill off Freddy in a spectacular fashion. So what do they do? They hire a, a director from New Zealand who directed a little film called Dead Alive. Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> Peter Jackson was a. Uh, was it was drafted to do a draft, and he did yeah. it with a, with a partner of his, and and this first draft, this you want to talk about David Gordon Green changing things <laughs> up? How about this? This first draft, Freddy's become a joke, much like he became a joke to movie going audiences, and so people and the kids of Springwood would actually kind of take drugs to knock themselves out, and go and find Freddy and beat him up. And like, and take out their aggression on him because he was such a loser. And it was, that's turning things on its head. But something happens, and Freddy's able to kill one of these kids. And so slowly his power starts to come back. Uh, there's also a cop involved who is in a coma, so he's constantly dreaming the entire time. He can't escape the world. There was a lot of wild things going on. There's it a, sounds pretty fascinating. My, my favorite uh, part of that script is uh, the Dream Police, which I would yes. hope we would have gotten a cameo from Robin Zander, Rick Nielsen, Tom Peterson, and Bunny Carlos. Yeah. And I think that would have been a wasted opportunity, who actually were the Dream Warriors. The Dream Warriors, yeah. Taryn, uh, Taryn, yeah, Taryn was one of the characters. Yeah, you're right. But that script, you can't find it anywhere. The synopsis is only online. To the best of my knowledge, mm. I went looking for it, and I don't think you can really track it down. And it was called The Dream Lover. Which is a great name, by the way. Yeah. And I think also Alice was involved in this draft, too. I think she gets killed in it. Yeah, I think she gets killed early on. And Jacob is a a main character. Well, we'll we'll, we'll talk about Jacob in a second here, too. Which is, um, I think, that falls more in line with um, when you get to what what Freddy's Dead became. Like, Freddy's Dead is an anomaly, kind of like part two, in that there's really no connection character-wise to the other films in the series. And they both have, for the most part, a male protagonist you're right there's a male Freddy's protagonist. Dead a little bit i mean no but you, know, you are right though there's a male in. protagonist yeah. and there's some more things in common where more male characters die in part two and freddy's dead than the rest of the series i believe too well we're going to get to yeah. all that with a story going on yeah. however so this draft sounds pretty fascinating pretty wild and pretty out there rachel talley 
who had been working for New Line forever. She worked with Roger Corman before that. She'd worked closely with John Waters. She worked her way up as like pretty much like a gopher on Nightmare on Elm Street to directing this movie. Yeah. And, and playing a huge part of it. She Which was she's pre- been bleeding Nightmare on Elm Street her entire yeah. the entire eighties. She was a great person to do it. It made sense. Right. It's the first time we really had a, a true insider as opposed to an outsider coming in and doing this. And notably, and I was trying to do the, the math in my head or the history in my head. I believe she's the only uh, female director of the Unholy Trifecta, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday Thirteenth, and Halloween. Right? She's the you only. I believe she's the only female director. And I think you could even throw Hellraiser in there if you wanted to. We're gonna do it. Although Alan Smithy directed Bloodlines, so who knows? <laughs> who knows who really directed <laughs> a piece of that? Who knows? Maybe Jane Campion directed some of <laughs> Hellraiser Bloodline. The nineties directors. She was not a fan of Peter Jackson's draft. So there was another draft kicking out there by Michael DeLuca, who also did major rewrites on The Dream Child. And that ended up being uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, the movie that we got. I think in early drafts, though, the character of John Doe in this movie, who is unforgivingly never given his actual name. We never actually find <laughs> out that poor kid's true identity. I know. He was supposed to be Jacob. Oh, that, but they the really went the draft. route of just, let's just do our own thing. We don't want to talk about Dream Child anymore, which I think is kind of gutless, but, you know, I, well, think, added, I think that's part of why the movie probably did uh, falter. Yeah, because, you know, you, you start cutting away from connective tissue, it becomes a problem. I think the issue with that, though, is that Five did so poorly that they at that point they felt like, well, stepping away from it would be a good thing. But, you know, when you look back on these franchises, you know, that that's never a good thing. Like at exactly. least have the the connected tissue there because it's going to be a completely different movie if you want it to be. Although having someone that came in and did most of the rewrites on Dream Child, having them be the one to take Freddy's dead on, I don't know what the thought process there. Was. <laughs> that's very true. And I say that as somebody who who did who does enjoy Dream Child years later. But, I think um, he was simply on the New Line payroll, is what it looks like. Because yeah. if you look at his writing credits, he doesn't he didn't have a lot of success as a writer, but he mm-hmm. had a lot of success as a producer. Yeah. Yeah, he, he'd been. It was a very Newland was very good at shepherding people and, and, and growing people within the company, much like any corporation tries or claims they try to do across <laughs> this great land of ours. Uh, Rachel Talalay w- would go on to direct a movie called Ghosts in the Machine. <laughs> do you remember this with Karen Allen? Like oh, 90, I think it was ninety two, yeah. and Tank Girl with Laurie Petty and Ice T as a oh. as a kangaroo human. I think it was <laughs> based on the, the famous cult comic it's become a cult movie over the years but i i didn't really love it as a kid (laughs) Uh, most notably though she has definitely become a mainstay in television over the last 25 years she's always she's always been called in at least during the stephen moffat era who we mentioned earlier to direct the big finales for doctor who episodes and she's become quite a good director yeah a lot How of the do you genre feel? guys or and girls go to TV? Yeah, I, I, Tommy McLaughlin from Friday Thirteenth Part Six. He does a lot of like CSI. And we now. talked about Stephen Hopkins last last episode for Dream Child. He's gone on to do a lot of television as well. And you know we're in the state now where it's you know you can almost get a better reputation working TV than movies, which is <laughs> wild to think about. They definitely weren't thinking about that back in ninety one. No. How do you feel about her direction in Freddy's Dead? Anything stand out positively or negatively to anybody? Feels I mean, really static to me. Like mm. the whole the whole thing feels the outside of one really good nightmare sequence um, that I think maybe we'll all share uh, opinion wise. Everything just the camera feels very still the whole time. Everything just feels flat and and kind of lit very plainly. Like it does, yeah. it's not very atmo- it's not very atmospheric at all of a movie uh, for especially for a Nightmare on Elm Street movie to me anyway. Yeah, the lighting stuck out to me, especially compared to the I'm going to say it. 
gothic overtones of <laughs> the dream child i would agree this was her first film as a director right yeah, yeah. So, so i, I, I think I, she's kind of just like she's learning on the set yeah, yeah. absolutely there's some great sequences in this movie mm-hmm. or at absolutely. least one great sequence at the very least mac what do you think rich Atale? I, I mean, like you said, I think it's awesome that they they gave this film to her, um, mm. having worked your way up and keeping it in house, and having this be the last film. It's a labor of love, obviously, on her yeah. part. I do, I do. Yeah, it's her first film, so mm. she's definitely. It's not like she did anything before this period. There wasn't like you know commercials or you know what I mean. So she's really like you know working on her feet. But um, yeah, it is, I agree with Dan though. It it does feel very kind of mishmash and chopped up and. I'd, I'd also probably blame you know the editing on that part though the the editing of this movie is like all over the place. Yeah, I never know like what it, it's always tough when you to say because I feel like the director always gets blamed when something's bad. You know, they always say like oh if it's good they'll attribute to the actors or the writer, and if it's bad they'll attribute to the director. So I never know like what in these movies what is what's the fault of the director and what's the fault of the designers and the, the sure everyone else. You know, it's always tough to say, but. Uh, but yeah, like from like a very sh- superficial level, the directing does feel very flat because the me. movie does have a nice visual style, particularly when they get to Springwood, a very '90s Twin Peaks inspired aesthetic, which, I do oh, like which that. is overtly mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we know like, for sure, but you yeah. get, you, get you, you see leaves in Springwood, Ohio, for the first time, hmm. and like you're talking about with some of the lighting, like I, it, it does feel. I think this film is very kind of cocooned in 1991. It, it's it's a time which I like about it. Yeah, it's there's Actually. no question this was made Even in 1991. Though it's in, what 1999? Well, that's kind of, a whole other issue yeah. we can talk about in a second too, Dan. Thank you for bringing that up for, as, a, as a nice teaser. Because anyway, okay, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this with Rachel Talley. I mean, again, she became a very good TV director. I enjoy her episodes of Doctor Who. I think she develops a visual style throughout the movie. There if it's is not the designers, like, but it's. Like, I know what I wanted to say. Here, here it is. I remember. Uh, I think I did like a Twitter poll a while ago. I said when a, when you hear a movie is bad or awful <laughs> or didn't work. Do you blame the writer, the director, or the producer? And and when I was younger, I would always just blame the writers or the directors. But now, I go straight to the producers. And I feel like there's always something wrong that happened up top. Something was taken away from somebody and became some somewhat of a disaster. So, I, I say or that because I say... producer's not stepping in... So, yeah, exactly. Where they're they're the like boss. It's the poor, it's poor direction. Like exactly, there's a, there a satanic panic. The movie that's out from Pangoria. You, you, you can directed. give you can give a director final cut in something. That's fine. But as a producer, you are responsible for giving that director final cut, and if it works yeah. or not. And and I I'll say that sometimes when a producer who is the money man doesn't doesn't come and say, "Hey, look." We need to fix this, you know. Maybe Bob Shea was just so desperate to be done with it. Fair. I wonder. Yeah. I and wonder. About, and, and but I want to say this. I, I say all that to say this. Okay. This movie came out as a 101-minute movie. But when it came to video, they cut 10 minutes out of it. Really? And there's no version of it out there. I think there's some overseas cuts. But you cannot see the actual theatrical version on huh. video. That's I don't weird. know anything about yeah. this. Yeah. It, it's, it's such a strange thing. Because, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s, you think about... I'll get film history here. Like John Berman's Exorcist 2, they they totally cut and had a different alternate ending like a week later yeah. after it came out in theaters. Kubrick's The Shining. Shining. Yes. Um, oh, they totally removed the, the ending. Too. The original Star Wars like doesn't exist, like the one from 77. I'm saying like during the theatrical run or something like that. I'm not saying like years later well, it was retconned. Even no, Star even, Wars had three yeah. different audio mixes when it was released oh, yeah. in 70. I didn't know that. At least two. There was a stereo and a mono. 
Oh. And the uh, t- it didn't have the uh, it didn't have episode four originally tagged right. onto it. They added that like a little bit into the that run. Came I think in seventy eight or eighty, I think. Yeah, it's like oh. kind of yeah, it's crazy because yeah, these movies became well back in the day. It was I think now if your movie doesn't do well in the box office, like that's it, right? Like it's dead. And back in the day, I mean, you read about a lot of Disney animated movies, and they became legendary across the span of like five years. They kept like re-releasing them, you know. And it's um, yeah, I feel like that. I think you're right, Justin. That's a very bygone era at this point now now everything moves much faster now it's just so weird that you can't even it, it wasn't like it changed or something like that or, or years later there was a, a final cut that came out it was just here's the home video of freddy's dead and it's, it's gonna be 10 minutes shorter and you can kind of tell because obviously it feels static but it also feels quite jarring at times i was joking with mac during the movie when the character of doc and tracy are kind of uh, having a brief moment when she's, you know, hitting the punching bag, he's kind of giving her some advice, and it's about ten seconds long. And I thought, oh wow, that's really great character building. Come to find out, one of the deleted scenes, there's much more of a relationship right. between those two characters. Very strange. Yeah. Well, and even the the one that I get really hung up on, it, it's such a small plot detail, but it feels so strange to me, and like something's missing is it, after they uh, they go to the carnival and they realize something weird is going on in Springwood, and the and. Uh, Billy Zane's sister, just, I can't remember her name in the movie now. Um, she has two, uh, Maggie. To be fair. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that is, yeah, Maggie and Catherine. She just, she just lets you, she's like, okay, we'll just take the van back to the, the place and we're going to explore. I'm like, wait, what? You're just going to let these kids? And, and, and it's, it's just not real. I don't even think she tells them, oh, get back in the van. It's just like they kind of split up. It's very weird. I it feel is like weird. Something. It's jarring. And I, I, I didn't actually notice got... it until I watched it this time that I was like, well, that doesn't. This doesn't add up. That's a I, long I, way to go. I've got the list of some of the deleted scenes. Yeah, let's which, go through those real Which quick. comes from yeah. a Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a terrific film website for Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, first off is the introduction to Maggie, and which she's uh, awakened and confronted by her adopted mother regarding her birthday. And the adoptive mother is seen later on in the film when she kind of just shows up out of nowhere and says, yeah, for who are my parents? Her, you know? yeah. So that gives a little more context to that relationship. Uh, Maggie actually has a daydream with our favorite dream demons. Uh, at some point in the movie. Again, Doc lecturing Tracy about breaking her destructive cycle of behavior during her workout. The joke I made... The names are great. You, you've got John Doe, Doc. And Doc. Yeah, like they, 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 they didn't even try. <laughs> John Doe... <laughs> John Doe has a full dream in the shelter. He actually has a full dream that yeah, happens that, in the, the shelter. Yeah, the dream where he knocks the cop through the window. That's a lot longer, I yeah. think. Yeah. You see Freddy absorbing Carlos's soul. Right. Um, after I he dies. Because he does it with Spencer, but they cut it for Carlos. Yeah. So. Uh, Maggie finds Freddy's old lair behind a wall in the basement of 1428 Elm Street. I think the adult Maggie, I guess. That would have worked here. because, you know, she's also remembering where things are. Exactly. She's been there before. You know, she's, I think you see the teenage Freddy stabbing his, his foster stepfather. Yeah, the I think they don't cut away. Alice Cooper also mentions that in the, the behind the scenes. Yeah. He said so, that there's a longer take there. Though. I mean, some of these things you can actually find on YouTube. Yeah. I will say that. They're, okay. they're, they're there. But there's not the definitive, what did this movie actually look like at 101 minutes long as opposed to, I think it was like, what, 99 minutes instead, yeah. something like that. Um, can we talk about the, the poster and the taglines real quick? Let's do it. The taglines for this film, the U.S. tagline is, they saved the best for last. <laughs> Lie. That's uh, two lies in this movie. The UK, ta- <laughs> the UK tagline is, they saved the best, dot, 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 for last. <laughs> ah. Well, there's a, uh, a little more suspense going in the UK. Yeah, yeah apparently. Uh, and then the home video tagline, I always thought that was interesting when they changed the tagline. Evil has finally met its match. 
Don't they do that all the time? But I love that. Wasn't that tagline? the same tagline for? But I love that tagline because it's so lazy. It's just like for to be the the last Freddy film. Like that's really what you're going to go with for the home video release. As I always I, say, they should have always gone with you know, um, Freddy's dead and better than ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to point out really quick because I remember the poster. The poster I remember from home video was um, him extending the claw, his claw, kind of out of this red fog, and you see yeah. the bus in the mm-hmm. corner. Yeah, yeah that's but that's the main poster, at, I believe. It, it is, but, but, and I, I guess it was just in theaters because we always talk about how, uh, the nightmare movies had at least the, the first generation of them had these, this kind of great artistic aesthetic with like one of Freddie's eyes floating away. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? How like each of the one, um, and Freddie's dead does have one of those. And it's way better than the one that came out video. It's like, it's on just Wikipedia. Oh, it's I know him. what you're talking about. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's, it's a, a tombstone. It's it was a tombstone. an alternate video. I mean, yeah. an alternate video, an alternate p- uh, poster that they didn't use. And it's, it's much more in line with the aesthetic established yeah. by all these other posters. And, and real quick shout out. Cause it's the same artist who did every single one of those. His name is Matthew peak. I don't know what else he's done, but I just, we always, we always talk about those posters on the podcast. You're, you're right. Posters. Dan also though, more importantly, he did even, he, he did another update recently. For Freddy really? said, yeah, it looks even this better. Year, yeah. um, I will, oh, I will, I'm really going to cool. text it to you right now, actually. Matthew it, it looks really great. There. I'm going to, yeah. Your poster gonna, is better than the movie is. Um, no so. question about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Matthew found the, it. I'm uh, going to text uh, it. Freddy said peaked with the poster, you might say, I think. Well, years later, it peaked. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's talk now a little bit about the synopsis of the movie. And I want to also, because I think I might get quite negative with this episode. So I'm trying to find the bright spots. I, I do like this swing here where there's been, which we learned at the very beginning. There's a, there's a big map of the United States for some reason, which is really confusing. It, it confused Mac. Cool. It, Mac it confused the it hell cool. out of me because about you know 20 minutes of the movie, oh, I was at the carnival sequence. Yeah, you were like, what? Yeah, I was you, like, you thought I, that the entire I nation the had entire, lost kids. I thought they were jumping time, and I was like, oh, this is taking place in the future. And I thought it was really interesting, actually. I was like, I do not remember this plot point, but I thought what they were saying was... That there weren't any children left in the in the world anymore. That yeah. that he had got, he, had, he had like caused this He'd mass suicide. He had world. gotten everybody, and that he was running out of like victims. And that's when he starts moving to adults or something like that. Oh no, yeah. Because here's the, was, here's yeah. here's what I, here's what's said at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. I just absolutely stuttered at myself here. Uh, it says Springwood, Ohio, ten years from now. Mysterious killings and suicides wipe out entire population of children and teenagers. Remaining adults are experiencing mass psychosis. There is new evidence of one surviving teenager. Now, I do have this question. Why did they have to say 10 years from now? I guess just to give them enough time. I mean, you think they would just like not say 10 years because once again, it's it's 1999, I guess, but still, or I guess uh, 2001. But with the Twin Peaks jokes and everything else, it still feels very 90s. But I think it was just to give Freddie enough time to wipe everyone out, I guess. I don't know. But I yeah. think you could, people fall asleep every night. It doesn't. It wouldn't take necessarily that long, unless you run into you know Alice or Nancy. It's like why does Friday the Thirteenth Part Two take place five years after the first Friday the Thirteenth? But they don't. They, they say it. But what I'm saying is, you're like, why even bother saying it's been. It's ten years later. You're putting yourself so far into the future. I think they're well, really they trying also to give it an epic quality to this yeah. last movie. That, like, I think you really kind of get in those opening moments that you. And I think that's kind of where the movie kind of whiffs. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but it's weird too because ten years in the future is tough because it, it wouldn't maybe be far enough that we would see all this new like futurism or something. But you're also like, okay, well, it still looks exactly like when it was filmed. You know, like they didn't exactly. really take any any any. Uh, they didn't take any steps to 
figure out, okay, what does this world actually look like in 1999 or, or 2001? You know? Well, like you said, Mike, if we do the Friday 13th franchise, that has got an incredibly fascinating timeline because you're talking about, I think part seven technically takes place in like 2011, even though it was made in 1987. It's wild. Oh yeah, I, think, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. I keep saying hopefully because you never know what the future holds with the world and with podcasting and everything else. So, so yeah, that's that's the synopsis. That's where we are. And we talked about this earlier. There's a very high, high Twin Peaks vibe to this. It's why because Twin Peaks peaked, <laughs> much like the artists of the Freddy posters and the title of the show during the middle of the second season. Yeah. And it was largely forgotten about by mainstream culture for like 25 years, honestly, until well, the the reboot came out. It's funny. The return. Watching the behind the scenes and the, them talking about the, the John Waters influence as well, though, I feel like that is more in line with what I, what it actually felt like to me. The way the adults it. behave, the I way agree, the adults, the adults behave and, and, and then knowing her connection to that, it does definitely, I mean, there's definitely a Peaks-esque thing going on. Mm-hmm. And they even mentioned it, obviously. But yeah, it, it did feel a little bit more like a Waters flick. Yeah, I always those are always intersected for yeah. me anyway. Yeah, well, and, and uh, yeah, you mentioned John Waters. Uh, much of the crew worked on John Waters' Crybaby, mm-hmm. which starred Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, which I think also played a part of him coming back to the franchise. Oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. how they got him back in that yeah. one because that was that was new footage that they shot there. Mm-hmm. It was, and folks, I cannot wait to get to this next category because we get to hear the the dulcet tones of freddy mocking a disabled youth when he says oh carlos lend me your ear no! okay for for this section i always love chuckling at the disabled being poked fun at by villains <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk about the score of freddy's dead as well as the the quite banging soundtrack in my opinion oh. Uh, let's lead it off. We're going to talk about Brian May, not the Queen guitarist. <laughs> I, had, I had a moment yes. when I was doing that research. I did too. This Brian May. It didn't seem so off base, you know, that you would, he would have done it and you would have completely forgotten about it. And then Geeky Mac over here says, oh, is that the Brian May that did Mad Max? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the same guy. <laughs> so yeah, this Brian May worked on a lot of George Miller properties, most notably the Mad Max and The Road Warrior. He was Australian, yes? Yeah, I believe so. And you can totally tell. You can totally, you can hear it in yeah. the score. I just don't think it works no. for this movie at all. It, I, I, I do not like the score, especially compared to the, uh, especially the fifth movie. I thought that had a pretty there, good score there to are it. A few, there's a few reprises of the original theme, mm-hmm. which you have to do, especially if this is the last movie. But because this is the last movie, I felt like, why even try? Like, just lean hard on the original music and really steep us in this thing right now. But they did not do that. And Brian May came in and, you know, I mean, the score's all over this thing. It's not like he just came in and did one track and they just yeah. reused it, you know. But, uh, yeah, for me, it did it, it did not quite work. I barely, I barely noticed it. I barely noticed it. I barely noticed it, too. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I can't, if, all I remember is cheesy guitars, but I can't really remember what the exact melodies are. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's funny, too, that he did Mad Max because... It's funny when John Doe gets like exiled from Springwood, there's like a desert kind of, which is sort of weird. I mean, I don't know. It's Ohio, but I mean, I, I know it's like <laughs> California. It does have a for like a split second when he's walking on the road. It has a little bit of a Mad Max vibe to it. But um, yeah, I, I don't really remember. I remember not loving it. Just like I don't really love the atmosphere of this movie in general. Um, and I totally agree with you. It, it is funny how, how much of an outlier this movie feels like, despite being supposedly the cap, the finale of this whole series. Um yeah, so not a fan of the score, but also I, I feel like 
I can't back it up because I can't remember what, what it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. Well, I really want to talk about in this section, and Mike, I know you've got some more information, is the soundtracks. <laughs> initially, I, I thought, is this the Goo Goo Dolls? Because I knew that initially the Goo Goo Dolls, for all of you, uh, you know, modest fans <laughs> out there, they became very huge they were pretty much more well known for their mid tempo ballads in the, in the late nineties, you well, know. Yeah, well ninety 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 about ninety four, ninety five, what they got big with name, which yeah. was more of a ballad, but it was also very Westerberg Paul Westerbergian. Sure, sure. But then they hit it big with the City of Angels song in ninety seven, Iris. Naked. Couple a couple of good pop rock songs I thought in the from yeah. the nineties. But um yeah, by this point they were full on we want to be the replacements at this point too. So at first I was kinda of making fun of this and then as the movie went on though, my hot take is I kind of like these Goo Goo Doll songs that are playing in this movie. Well, the songs that came, came off pretty the, good. The songs that came off this soundtrack, aside from "I'm Awake Now," which mm-hmm. was just a promotional single for the soundtrack, and the reason I think they ended up on the soundtrack is because the Goo Goo Dolls were on Metal Blade Records. Yeah, talk to us about that. It, and Metal Blade put out this soundtrack. And I'm not necessarily sure how that deal got done, but I mean, heavy metal fans always liked Freddy Krueger, like mm-hmm. Stormtroopers of Death on their album Speak English or Die had a song called Freddy Krueger, and there's great promo photos of young, uh, what's the guy from Anthrax, Ian? Yeah, Scott Ian. Scott Ian uh, and his young kid, yeah, his young band hanging out with Freddy Krueger, like, because Robert Englund was a big fan of him. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, and um, so I, and Metal Blade also was, bran- I think Metal Blade was branching out at the time, which is how they got, because they were a heavy metal label from 83, and I think they're still around, mm. by getting the Goo Goo Dolls on there, and another band on here, Johnny Law, which was kind of an insurgent country kind of thing out of uh, out of Austin. They've got a few songs on here, too. Yeah, they got yeah. two, and then uh, there's that last prog metal band, who I'm, I didn't, not a research, I'm just going to assume that they were on uh, the... Uh, the Freddy's I know, soundtrack. I know the band, is it Fate something or something like that? Anyway, but the, the, that band Fate's is... Warning. Yeah, there you go. They're very tied into the... Mac, you might appreciate this. They were kind of lumped into the, like, the Queensryche Prague metal oh. movement from the 80s, especially. And then you had uh, Chub Rock, which I always appreciate the, the Elm Street movies, particularly starting with... About four, they they would have rock and pop and hip hop. Like they wanted to, they wanted to hit all the bases. Yeah, well, this but, is this is the height. This like height of MTV Freddy is like continued, right? Like he's. Still it's why really they popular. kind of re- they return to MTV Freddy in this after taking a hiatus in the fifth one because again, you hardly hear any songs at all in the Dream yeah. Child at all. I mean, yeah. it's very much just score and atmosphere. And but my favorite song on here, and it was like even when I had I bought made me go out and buy the tape when I was eleven <laughs> was Everything Remains the Same from uh, the Junk Monkeys. Which is another kind of replacement soul asylum, uh, probably not knockoff, but they probably got their. I imagine they got they were out of Michigan. They got their deal after you know soul asylum. Mm-hmm. Actually, this would have been this been pre soul asylum. This is right around. This is once again. This uh, is just. This is just before. No, no. This is post well, no, soul asylum. Because soul asylum was soul, around with the replacements. Yeah. Actually, they were still. Soul asylum was kind of like it's similar to Goo Goo Dolls in that they were they were known for doing these kind of uh, yeah almost like picking up where Westerberg left off. Although I think they were. No, yeah, Dan, they were around. They were contemporaries, but they didn't get big until Grave Dares Union. But I think that's 92. But I think all these bands that sounded like this were having a moment post for. No, because David, David, is it David Priner? He is heard at the very beginning of, I think, the the Stink EP back in the early 80s. Come on, man. Yeah, so he's been around. He's yelling, yelling, fuck you at the cops, right? Because it's uh, it's like the cops breaking up a replacement. This is the Minneapolis Police Department. The party's over. Did did anyone else own this uh, soundtrack? Did you did you own this, Justin? I did not. No, no. I, I guess I, I hardly remembered anything about the movie itself, let alone the songs, and so it was very jarring. 
think the only uh, soundtrack I owned at all as a kid was The Crow. Um, and, oh, hey, and The Crow City of Angels, which does have a pop on it. I had, the, I had the Bogus Journey soundtrack. Oh, well. and like the two songs <laughs> I didn't mention were the Iggy Pop tune that plays over the end credits, which because I, I couldn't find mm-hmm. it on Spotify, and a song by Young Lords called Give Me the Beat. Give Me the Beat. And that Iggy Pop song, it, man, it's... It never like so like they do the same thing in Pet Cemetery with the Ramones. Whenever they take like a punk artist and they they really literalize the movie and just have like all right, Iggy, you just got to sing about Freddie being dead. It just always sounds so clunky and weird to me. I, I don't know. Do you guys like that? I, I, I love I, that song. I love the montage that they play under it. I know. Did it win or get nominated for the the worst? Are you talking about the E pop song? Yeah, I think it, it, at least uh, got nominated. nominated. Yeah, nominated, yeah but, but I, I think they are wrong. <laughs> I, <laughs> as I feel like I mentioned, there are a lot every, of opinions in this world. It's funny. And a lot of them are wrong. No matter what po- podcast I'm on, we could be talking about the films of Stanley Kubrick. I feel like I always have to bring up the fact that I love the Ramones Pet Cemetery song. Same thing. And I'm going to say it again. I love that song. It's catchy it's one of their as hell. Best songs. Let's, let's go. I like the Put melody, it on now. I guess. It's just the lyrics here. Oh, man. It's, it's punk, punk lyrics. I'm not going to get the punk lyrics. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Hey, it's a fine song. Great lyrics outside Pet Cemetery. They, look, I love the Ramones. And I love I, Pet Cemetery. And, I, and you know what? I love, I love Pet Cemetery. But I, I think the Nightmare on Elm Street series has, well, I, this is not saying much, but it has the best soundtracks, like pop rock Agreed. soundtracks out of any horror franchise. I can't well, Halloween's got some great Creed better. tracks, I think, in the late 90s. It's got some good, <laughs> some, you know, there's, some good there's some good hit songs in there that have stood the test of time, I think. Like you know, Friday the Thirteenth isn't doing this. They're not. No. Have, they're, they, you know, they had a couple like a relatively couple maybe, but no more big or, name artists like Lion is in on part four for what that's worth. Yeah. Also on the Transformers the movie. Style, New Beginning right? has some good songs, and of course Alice Cooper himself from Freddy's Dead has got a great yeah. Jason song. Which uh, how, how, and, how did Jason not get Alice Cooper to do a Freddy song? I think Paramount probably said you well. can't. You can't. <laughs> you you can't. can't you got to choose. You can Sorry. be in it, but you, you can't, can't have your song. cake and eat it too. Wait, what's um, that song Jason Lips called again? Uh, he's back. He's the man. He's behind back. The, mask. the man behind the mask, which my band played oh, yeah, with yeah. director Tommy McLaughlin at the Terror in the Isles. Uh, oh where yeah! Wow, that. that's right. That's you played right. with Tom McLaughlin. I had interviewed him for Fangoria, and uh, I knew he was coming to town for this thing. I said, "Hey, look, I know you have a band. You do this song. You, you covered this. I mean, he didn't sing it. Obviously, you're right. No. It, but he's like, I'm going to cover up my band. I said, I'll put together a band for you. What key do you want to do it in? Wow, and he gave that's me a great. Key, and then tried to like. A week before the show, hey, can you bring that thing down? I can't. Like no time in Boston. This is what we learned it in. <laughs> Love <laughs> and it Tom went off without a hitch. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a cool dude to go to do that. And it was a, nice. it was a lot of fun. Cool. Tom McLaughlin also directed a, a Stephen King adaptation. I, I like quite a lot. Believe it or not, sometimes they come back, which yeah. I think is actually oh, a, a yeah. much yeah. better than the short story it's based on. And you can find that <laughs> on the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. When we've got our night shift episodes back up and running. Okay, well, anything else we want to say about the score? Um, can we I, move on? I feel like I have one more thing to say. Let me just. If you, you know what, we're very uh, lax here. Look, yeah, you can come back to that in five categories well, from now. We'll be fine. I mean, this might go into another category, but like, I love like the promise of the opening of Freddy's Dead with those chords from that. Oh, oh, I wanted to say, Robert Englund appears in the music video for the Goo Goo Dolls. I'm awake now. I they did not get, know that they can get Robert Englund to do anything, as you know. Uh, when I shared for Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the Dream Child, that they would always get oh him God. to show up in the uh, the media promo re- promo reels that they would send out to the <laughs> video stores to explain why you should buy this, why your video store should buy a couple copies of Elm Street. Elm Street Three is the best one because he pulls out charts and stuff. 
and points at him. His God, voice God sounds him. so not like Freddie in, in the, those promos to me for some reason. But well, I guess maybe because like, he hasn't been filtered. It. He hasn't been filtered yeah. like he is in the other movies. That's what yeah, I figured. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely filtered in all the movies. I, lo- I love the the one you posted, Mike, with like that Midwestern. Oh yeah. Guy. <laughs> oh my God. Oh right, well, listen. Before you know what we're talking about, the guy. So let's move on to our next category. Okay, I'm gonna say it right off the bat. I think this is like the nadir of Freddy Krueger, and that's including anything remake-wise, television-wise. I I I I know some of you guys were bashing him in the fifth for the fifth movie. This is like cringy, bad throughout for me. That's, well, that's not, my that's my that's my that's my real hot take. <laughs> that yeah, this is my right. least favorite like Freddy Krueger. Uh, it's like they took that "it's a boy" moment yeah. and like stretched it out through 100 minutes or however long this movie is. And I, I don't know. I it, once again, it's hard to know if you blame England for that or the filmmakers because he's he's just not in shadow at all. He's just like sitting there playing a fucking video game. There's just they, the the light is just on him the whole time. It's so. I uh, was they're, they're not thing. judicious all, oh, man, with like how much they show him. Yeah, that was another thing I was going to say. The lighting in this movie is atrocious. It, he's so well lit in this movie that you can tell it's just so blatant, like the, the rubber mask effect. Mm. Like it, there's no some of the worst. It, make, it's, some yeah, of the worst, so worst, worst makeup designs of the entire it's, series. It sucks because there's so much you can just see, and then they didn't even try to make it look like disgusting or or glossy he or looks wet. like it, a cartoon just, character yeah he really one. does yeah, yeah. Kind of is a just, cartoon character. well and they, <laughs> yeah. they even said they doubled down on like the like we're, we were gonna go like looney tunes with this and well, it's there so is some funny. serious looney tunes action oh yeah but this. like watching the behind the scenes thing this morning i so it's fresh in my head they they were like well we just want we wanted to lean more on the comedy and i'm sitting here thinking this is the final freddy film <laughs> And what made you think in your right fucking mind that the way to go with this is to just make it more of a comedy like Looney Tunes and quirky like Twin Peaks? Like what? Well, I, I thinking. I, I, I'll say what I think that they were thinking, which, again, as I get older, I always think from the uh, the economical point of view <laughs> is that the fifth one, which was much darker. And uh, hey, I'm going to say it. Gothic in tone. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever mentioned that when it comes to the fifth movie. <laughs> it didn't work. Teenagers did not respond to the dark, dreary material. And it's a very dreary, dark, dreamy movie, uh, which I enjoy a lot, especially as I get older. Yeah. But they wanted to kind of go back to that MTV aesthetic of the jokey Freddy becoming Jaws or, you know, making jokes about being a teacher. Or, you know, I, I don't know. No, so I, I think I they mean, really I wanted to, and, I, and I, I think they wanted to double down and say, if you love Freddy like this, well, we're going to really throw him out in a big bang and a big laugh at the I very think, end. I think I like that Freddy a little bit more than you guys. And yeah, it, just, yeah. it just goes for me. It's like, you know, you let the to quote. Wes Craven's new nightmare, let the genie out of the bottle. Like, mm. you can't make him scary again. So, why not double down on the comedy? But I think where they made the misstep as far as this being the final movie is that I love the opening of this. Like, from the, the Nietzsche quote into the uh, Freddy That's Joker a good sense quote, of humor. I think that's yeah. sharp. And the, those opening notes of that Goo Goo Dolls tune as the credits kick off, like, you really get your ear in the mood for something epic. And it's just kind of a, a whiff. All around I, the board. Yeah, I, it, it's 
it's definitely my least favorite Freddy for sure. And I haven't I haven't watched the the television stuff yet, which I'm excited to to do. But right now, I just feel like it's, it's famous last words. It's definitely yeah, I know. <laughs> it's the it's definitely my least favorite favorite Freddy. I do disagree with you though about not being able to make him scary again, and we'll talk about that in new nightmare okay. because I feel like the way to do that is to not let him talk. Just let his presence be there. And, and, and however, like you guys said, they did double down on that with this movie. Like, let's just go full cartoony Freddy. It didn't work back then when I first saw it and it doesn't work now. Dan, um, let me ask you. It's, it's a hard line to walk. I, Dan, I know you love the Freddy bits. So what did you like more? Let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask, let me pose this question to Dan. Dan, did you prefer Wicked Witch Freddy or Bus Driver Freddy? Ooh. I mean, all right. Wicked Witch Freddy. I, the soul, the your little soul too. That's just, that that kind of ruins it a little bit for me. But <laughs> the idea of the first time we see him in the movie, him being dressed up like a witch, is kind of freaky to me. I, actually, I think that's actually one of the better parts in the movie. Something I just thought of, and I correct me if I'm wrong. In, in the other movies, is this the only film in in the Nightmare series at all where we see Freddy just by himself? Because I think part of the problem is in the dream sequences, yes. even though they're supposed to be from other people's perspectives, we get a lot of just him like playing his power glove or whatever. It's, and I think that's really jarring. It's like, well, hey, who's yeah, yeah. the point of view? Well, there, Dan, yeah. at the very beginning, when when uh, when John Doe is out of Springwood, he you see oh, him, he's yeah. by himself and he says, "Now go get me more whatever." So yeah, you're. This goes to another problem Here. I've got with a lot of horror in general is when you spend too much time with the villains. By themselves, it's just not. <laughs> what, but it, this it, is the it, economic thing that you talked about. Like, you want more Freddy? The producers like you want more Freddy. There We're going to give you more Freddy. We're going to kill him in ninety minutes. So enjoy yeah, while you can. And I'm sure that Robert England was like, I want to be in more of this. And if it means that you got to shoot some scenes of just me, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> did uh, Did any of you guys um, work on? I, I wasn't on this article, but for COS, did any of you guys work on the ranking? all the nightmares, like all the actual nightmare sequences in these movies. Yes. Uh, it was, I think it was myself, Blake Goble and, and Mike Rothman. And I think and, Randall too. Yeah. And I remember Randall, like this is years ago. He was telling me about, I, I, this may have been ranked as the worst nightmare. I think it was the video game sequence with, with Breck and Meyer. He was saying how, like sort of in a microcosm, the, the the epitome of what makes Freddy not scary is that he's playing this like power glove and then they break in and interrupt him. And he's like I startled, know. almost. He's like, "Oh!" And, and, and all of a sudden, <laughs> like, it just takes away from the, all all of his menace because he, he's like, "Oh no!" Like these kids walked in on me playing a video, <laughs> and they game. took my remote control away from me. Yeah, oh, I remember. God. I remember Randall. Randall said that. Like, I think he had to write about that one. He's I feel like, yeah, like I just that. That that was like their their blatant nod to the Peter Jackson script. <laughs> oh yeah, like, it's like, yeah. It's like, well, this is what you could have had. Is this kids coming in and beating? I feel him like up that would be done games. a little more a little, a little more deftly. I yeah, think. yeah. It's funny because when that you, you mentioned the, uh, the when we ranked Freddy's kills, which if you go to Consequence of Sound, it's all there for you, folks. If you want to dispute our our rankings. Well, speaking uh, of Freddy, though, before we move on, I feel like it's important to talk about the the reason Freddy is Freddy. Are we going to go into that here? You want to talk about the performances? No, I want to talk about the dream demons. Oh, you want to talk about the dream now? The Let's real villains of the piece. Yeah, I feel like this is this this movie is like Rogue One to me. Like Freddy becomes Krennic. <laughs> He's like not really the villain. Yeah. Like the 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 real villains are apparently these dream demons, but we don't get enough of them, mm. and we don't. So he's just kind of neutered in this film and not really scary at all. It's very similar to Jason Goes to Hell, kind of like the, in explaining his origins. Yeah. Like oh, it's not actually Jason. It's these it's these this worm thing inside him or whatever it is. Another, Even another fine film. Another oh, fine yeah, film. Yeah. <laughs> Which I. <laughs> 
my, on, my wanna, first R-rated movie. I want to I want to plug that I will be on the Pod and the Pendulum podcast shortly discussing. The other final movie, Jason Goes Jason to Hell, goes to hell the, the final, final Friday, Friday, Friday which I yeah. like a lot more than Freddy's Dead, but I, I and don't then, know. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, when you, I, well, this once again goes back to if you if you show me the description of this movie and I'd never seen it before, I'd probably pre- be pretty intrigued if you told me, guess what? All the kids in Springwood are dead and the parents have gone crazy and we're going to explore for the first time Freddy's dreams. I'm like... All right, this sounds pretty original. This sounds very fresh, and that's wonderful. I always respect the swing, but it's it's, it's a miss here. And I feel like even when I, when I first saw, it, I mean, I never felt that any of the dream stuff landed, especially with that conversation that he has when he's burning to death with the dream <laughs> snakes. Oh, yeah, that is so unreal. Weird. That's it's so bad. Rush, it's so aren't bad. They, aren't their voice? Their voices are kind of. Uh... Oh, hey, like, you're going to kill for us or something. They're it's like really, the goblins yeah. in Labyrinth or something. It's really weird. Like they, I remember it becomes at the, at the a end, Jim Henson movie, yeah. And, and then, oh, and then hey, why don't you join us? Exactly. I was going to say, at least Jason Goes to Hell implies in when, uh, what's his name, goes uh, in the house and he finds like the Necronomicon. Yeah, evil dead. He yeah. kind of implies that maybe some witchcraft was involved in Devorahe's sale. Even if it, but I like when stuff's told in broad strokes like that. I think a lot of people have been spoiled by everything being explained away like even if it's not in the movie but like like with star wars why why'd they do this well you got to read the books i don't want to read yeah, the books about, that's why i watch the movie exactly you know? well, yeah and i i agree in that sense that the team if, if you're going nowhere, but though. this is the, and this is my problem with uh, even though i enjoyed it very much with jordan peele's us where if you're going to explain something uh, it, it's fine if you do it in a broad stroke situation like 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 oh well maybe this like like like, like hinting at there's a lore there like with these dream demons, they could have been like they, 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 they could have hinted at this. Yeah, I don't need to see conversations. We, yeah, we don't need to see the actual <laughs> conversation being had because when they start doing that, when they start when you start to over explain or explain twenty five percent of it, but not the hundred percent, because you don't. Because honestly, if you went tried to go that hundred percent, you're not going to be able to explain it. You can't do that, so just don't just leave it out. But you can, you, you know. And I, I hate prequels. I hate prequels. I've never seen one great prequel that really nailed it. Oh, Indiana and Jones feel, and the Temple of Doom. Godfather. That was a mistake. That was a mistake. I feel like they should. Uh, the year before. They. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they, that that was a mistake. They didn't purposely. I know. I know no, I yes, know. they did. No, they no. purposely made that. A pre- oh, did they? Was they purposely purpose? made it a prequel for two reasons: because they wanted to see Indiana Jones um, go from a just a uh, you know fortune of glory or fortune of glory kind of guy to somebody who actually with no marrying connection yeah and they wanted but more so than anything they wanted to give his entrance to cinema they wanted him in the white tuxedo see I, i've never heard that james bond i've never heard that that they actually purposely did that i think it was I really i oh, no, I'm, I'm very interested in that i love that franchise okay well then th- that's the the that's exception the that the exception that proves the rule don't think recalls, <laughs> but I just I, you can't explain these things. It it it, it kills the any in horror. You cannot go back and have an origin story for a villain. What are we supposed to care about these fucking people? No, I don't want to care about them. I don't, I don't need to see the why demons. they are who <laughs> they on, are. Man. You know, like it's it's re- yeah. Well, if we get yeah, if the next Nightmare on Elm Street film is a is a prequel where we get to find out who who the 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 dream demons were before they became demons. Yeah, that, that, I can see that movie being made. I, I will say one notion that they kind of retconned in this one were get, by giving Freddy a daughter, which is weird because it feels so of like the early 80s, like post-Empire Strikes Back, like what they were going to do with Texas Chainsaw. The original Texas Chainsaw 2 script was going to deal with 
the survivor being related to the, the mm. Slayer family and what they did with Halloween too. I will say that it does add another level to why Freddy was killing the kid. It doesn't always work. I, it's a little I didn't mind ham fisted, but like the reason he was taking their kids away with him because he got his child taken away from him. I, even though like, he was already a brutal child yeah, before and, and, yeah, and was, yeah. and was like, a killer anyway. You didn't need to double down I, on I it. I didn't I didn't mind that that little bit of information. You're like you're like, oh okay. Like that that's a cool little like little reveal. I didn't mind that. But um yeah, the movie still sucks. It's, it's interesting what you're, what, what uh, it's great this section here. Mike, <laughs> I know, I know. What Mike just said because uh, I am thinking, I'm like, well, maybe it could have worked better if you. It, I don't, I don't know. I wonder if there was a way to make him not a killer until his daughter got taken away. You know what I mean? I think that's that. It's like weird because you're like, okay, well, that that is good motivation for him as a character, both alive and dead. I'll say, but one, it, it's it, it's weird that he's like killing a bunch of kids. Then his daughter gets taken away. Then he's like, "Well, now I'll get my revenge." I'm like, "We've already been butchering kids for like a decade or however or maybe long." So he I if just, they could just, maybe he was just molesting them. Like that's even better, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. it's I, just I will, so weird. Yeah, it's like weird. I will give credit to the remake on one thing, and I'll give a shout out to my man Nathan Smith, who also writes for Daily Grindhouse, because we've talked at length about this. When the remake, when they implied that maybe he was framed. Freddy Krueger? Yes, yeah. Like, that's such a great... If they had stuck I with that... I wish they had stuck with that. Because then you, make him a well, sympathet- then you make him a sympathetic villain, but he's still a villain. Yeah. So you can and, still root against him, but Correct me if I'm motivation. wrong, but I think the, the original cut of the remake, he was indeed framed or was left open-ended, right? Well, that I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, we're going to go... That's a whole yeah. another yeah, ca- bag of cats. Okay, we'll yes. talk about that in a couple. We will get the definitive information on that for like three months from now when we talk about... The Elm Street remake. Um, somebody else we have to talk about, though, in the dream sequence. A couple people. First of all, Toby Sexton as uh, Teenage Freddy, the one who's kind of whip, like mm-hmm. you know, cutting himself and ultimately kills the aforementioned Alice Cooper, I who is his adopted father. Like, uh, he looks like the comic book guy from the fifth one. I yeah, I got confused. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say uh, no information. He didn't do anything really before or after this. Okay. Well, he, he did Just a lot. Lucky, I he guess. A, That's a wrap. He became more of a producer, I believe. Yeah, but of like indie movies, you know, I yeah. could be a producer of a 10-minute short film. You know what I mean, like, <laughs> no, I, think, make me a producer. I think he's fine. And for the two seconds we see Teen Freddy, I think he's fine. He, he's fine. He's, little he, kid he looks Freddy's, crazy. Little Kid Freddy's good when he uh, hits, beats up the gerbil. With oh, the, yeah. The That's pretty good, yeah. 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 I, I don't have any information on that young boy. Um, oh, something else about Freddy. You know, Mac, you mentioned that actually all of us have mentioned how bad the lighting is in this movie. There's another part that we notice that he breaks the fourth wall. This is the oh, one sequence man. where he's actually way too much in the shadow for it to you to sell it. But it's when one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. When I he's don't... stalking after Carlos, he turns oh, to the no, camera and, and kind of whispers to us to be quiet. <laughs> like puts his finger up like, shh. Yeah. I'm hunting wabbits. Yeah, exactly. And so I thought, okay, so funny. you're putting him so in the light, even in dark sequences. So the one time you want the audience to actually see him do the bit. It's one of the darkest scenes in the movie. <laughs> it's completely dark and it's not well lit. Anyway, that's, my, that was my, a funny, dumb bit there. My favorite Freddy break in the fourth wall in the whole movie, I'll always remember it, is when he brings the bed of nails yeah, out. Yeah, that's ultimate. Looks, yeah. Looks, looks at the camera. It's like that's to- and as you know, with the you know pull pull the, the, the string on the yeah, parachute. Yeah, but when he looks yeah. at the camera, when he. <laughs> 
It's so silly. I oh, absolutely God. love it. But he's like El- Bugs Bunny, man. Seriously. They really, they, they, oh, you guys all love when uh, Joe Dante goes Looney Tunes, but you, you hate it when Freddy oh, Krueger goes Looney Tunes. Now, hold on. The, Gremlins, blah, 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 you. Gremlins <laughs> is totally... Don't compare <laughs> the great Gremlins 2 to also, the, the, Freddy's Dead. The first Gremlins are doing Christmas carols in Gremlins, for Christ's sake. <laughs> oh, they can be funny, but Yes, they can. All right. Freddy can be funny, too. They're not touching children. Gremlins is funny from the very beginning. Like Chuck Jones makes a cameo in Gremlins. Like Looney Tunes is like in its DNA from the beginning. Whereas like Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, we, we we've gone how many movies now? Now they're all of a sudden going to make it like Yosemite Sam or Elmer Fudd or it's I, I it's it's not funny to me. I, I didn't like when, it. When I don't like the, it now. When you have the line in the first film that he's a filthy child murderer. You can't go funny with it right out the gate. <laughs> right out the gate, yes, sir. Anything else to say about Freddy? I mean, we're obviously going to be talking about him throughout the rest of this, but anything specifically about uh, about Robert England as uh, Freddy in this movie? Uh, possibly the worst makeup this side of part five. I yeah, I hundred percent agree. It's 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 a tough it's best a tough makeup look. is part two for the record. I I, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to... We've got a lot of people to talk about here, so for Christ's sake, we've got to move on to our next category. You are all my children now. All right, so yeah, for this category, we're going to be talking about not only the characters of the movie, but their respective deaths. And there's not a lot of deaths in this movie. I think it ties with the fifth movie for fewest deaths. Yeah. On-screen deaths, I should say. Yeah, how many other... There's, what, three, three major dream sequences? Yeah, if you don't count the flashbacks. If you don't yeah. count the flashbacks, I think there's just three deaths. Uh, let's start off at the very top, folks. We got a great name, by the way. The actor Sean S H O N Greenblatt That's as made up. That's not real. As it's, it's got to be a stage name. As <laughs> as John Doe, who believes he's Freddy's kid, right? Yes. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. Is it six minutes in? Yeah. We see a little girl running into a backyard, seeing who is obviously Freddy Krueger murdering somebody. So we already know he's not the child in question, yeah. right? Am, so am I am I am I no, am I overthinking right. this? You're absolutely right. It's so dumb. I think this There's is an twist. editing issue. There's no twist. Yeah. yeah, the twist could have worked. I think a little bit better had I, had it been an. Oh sure, if you I just agree. have if you have the, that dream happen in the last act with Maggie having the dream, but you just have it. You just have that dream going on. For, but it's it's all most of that dream, anyways, is point of view. So why they felt they needed to show the girl. It and, and and I think maybe at the time they're thinking, well, you know, there's always like the 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 girls with the pigtails doing the jump ropes. Yeah. Maybe this is just some random girl. That's probably that's what I would have thought when the I was dream yeah. Oh, when you're you in, know the, I mean? in the like, plane, that's yeah. fine. But when you actually yeah, have the yeah. dream of the little girl running, yeah, exactly. What, what? Well, and it's it's weird also because they they have this whole thing where where both Catherine and John Doe are. are having the same dream and it's connected. Why, like you said, why not just show it a POV and then it's like a mystery kind of, you know, like, yeah. like 
oh, are they both dreaming about his point of view or her point of view or whatever? But yeah, because it's just, I like um, the twi- I like the twist of that. I, and I think too, it could yeah. have been a ballsy thing because then you, you know who you think is the lead of the movie essentially gets killed halfway through the film. I think yeah. that that it's would have been, that pretty been, dead is basically psycho. It's basically psycho. Yeah, it, it would have been cool, but they. I feel like yeah, they, they give <laughs> that, that was a critical they give that the away. Like, psycho they give and, that away immediately, <laughs> and then also, I was not a fan of this actor or John Doe's character. I thought. It's just so. Oh, he was cast as being alter, alternative grunge type. Like, I'm yeah. sure it was oh, like we need, we want an we want an alternative grunge type. They were like, we gotta get a Johnny Resnick well, you, uh, type guy here. You gotta <laughs> figure though, like this is like, this is an interesting movie because this is, I mean, outside of Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which I will contend it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. they always that's how they marketed it. Some mm-hmm. of the marketing they didn't even have Freddy Krueger. Um, yeah, they wrote the, the teaser yeah. trailer was no Freddy. And um, this was them trying to adapt. To the 90s, a film series that I think is intrinsically tied to the 1980s. So that's why I think some of that Twin Peaksness and this character's particular look. The flannels. Yeah. I agree, well, well, Mike. And you yeah, said, because you said, well, we all talked about this the last episode, is even though Dream Child, I think it's, is it 90 or is it 89? 89. Oh, it is 89. That's right. So it was the end of the 80s and it felt like that. This does feel like a 90s movie. What were you going to say, the, Dan? What's the, what's the one line he has? He, he's like, got any Coke? I mean the soda. Yeah. <laughs> he's, so, he's so, like, petulant. Like, everything just has this sneer to it that is oh, it's so annoying throughout the whole and, thing. And for someone that's supposed to be a teenager, he's, like, the least teenager-esque kind of human being well, that I've ever Well, he was also that actor. Was, I believe, a year away from a, 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 a major appearance in a Disney movie. What, what movie? He plays Oscar Delancey from Newsies. Oh God! Look, I think he's one of the bullies. I think I wish, maybe he is. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I've seen Newsies no, once. Like, what is he? Thirty-two. Yeah, he's no, one of the um, editors of the newspaper. The, the actor that played Carlos, though, I think was originally supposed to be this mm-hmm. role from the behind-the-scenes stuff. Correct. And I, I do think that. I like him. It would have been much stronger, I think, if he had been, because I think he's a much stronger actor than this guy. But well, we're going to get to Carlos in a second, but of course, uh, John Doe's death, we mentioned it earlier, after several taunts in terms of you know him flying around his house and falling out of his house and falling out of planes. How many times he does finally, he fall out of his house well, again? Well, we'll save that for our dream sequence section. Yeah, yeah. But he does die uh, by landing on a, on a bed of nails. And, and also, just before that, he realizes that his whole journey was for nothing and that he was just being used. So it's very unforgiving. I kind of like the unforgiving nature once again. Yeah. And the fact yeah, that he I never, he never finds out his name. <laughs> he always has amnesia. <laughs> we never I like find that. Out. It's like so frustrating. No, actually I like that though. It's like, it's so brutal for that guy to die, not knowing who he ever was. He might be related to Nancy Thompson for all. We oh, we're going to find out in the Freddy's dead Two, the new nightmare coming out next year. <laughs> um, I shouldn't say that out loud because I just no, put no, it out to the atmosphere. And I think the new line heads are listening for the thirsty heads. Uh, next character that we meet. Maybe he is Jacob Daniel. Well, that was the thing because they <laughs> initially, one of the drafts, he is Jacob. Yeah. And the character that Lisa Zane plays, the Maggie character, was his girlfriend in the movie. Oh. So they, kept, they beefed up, the they beefed age, up that performance. Yeah, they're probably, he's probably older than her. Yeah. So they beefed up her performance, <laughs> and they just gave him an... an, an uh, because if you really want to get into the timeline, like in the school, oh my God. Freddy's... Like gets Freddie gets uh, burnt in nineteen or gets uh, killed in nineteen sixty six, which makes even less sense now that you mentioned that this movie is taking place in nineteen ninety nine. I think two thousand one. How do man? How could he have a kid Maggie's age and John Doe's age? Like not that he had them both, but like how could they both be confused by this? That's wait. That's a very good point. Very so you're trying to say like <laughs> two years? Unless they say 
Oh yeah, because you're, you're talking about the whole fire thing. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting. <laughs> I am getting a headache now. Because they weren't right. thinking it was set in 2000. No. They were saying, uh, yeah. Just 10 years later. Uh, next character we meet, I believe this is easily the most famous actor to come out of this movie. Breckin Meyer as Spencer. We've seen Breckin Meyer in at least 50 things over the last 25 years. <laughs> I can only think of a couple off the top of my head, but <laughs> I've seen him all the, the time. The only one I can think of? Uh, Franklin and Bash on TNT, Mike Rothman's um, favorite show. Rat Race? <gasps> That's a Rat movie. Race? Was he in Clueless? Oh yeah, right. uh, yeah. He, yeah, he's playing the same character um, in Clueless. I think. I think he almost. I think he got typecast there. For so, a minute. He's uh, he's playing the same age ten years later in Road Trip. Yeah, Road Trip. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff over the years, but he, he's easily the most the most famous. To, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, who out of here kind of did anybody you know make it? It's him. Yeah, it's it's gotta be him. And Yafikoto yeah, did pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he did pretty well, good. Uh, Alice Cooper did some stuff. Like yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> uh, here's what I love about here's what I love about this movie. Here's one And I don't thing. know if I'm being ironic or if I'm kind of just like, you know, I appreciate you just cutting the fat. Not only is Spencer's history and what's going to happen to him um, established in the first 30 seconds of meeting him, uh, so is everybody else's. I mean, for instance, we know right off the bat that Spencer is a rich kid who hates his dad and loves to play video games and loves to get high in 30 seconds. It's like, here, here's the character. Here are the motivations. Here's how Next he's going to die, basically. Exactly. Here's yeah. how he's going to die. Um, he's also the, the mastermind in the big escape from the youth shelter, that real uh, maximum prison that they're in. Um, so what do you think about this storyline and what do you think about his death? I, I like, I like Breckenmeyer at like in this movie. I think he handles the source material really well. Yeah. He meet, rises and meets it. Um, I don't, and I don't mind that he's an archetype. His death though, man, seeing him bounce around like, well, I guess that's how does he actually die? What, what's like the final thing? He kills falls. Him? He eventually falls down the steps into the, pit like into like a hell pit yeah yeah that's i mean we'll get into it the nightmares but the they really play loosey-goosey with the rules from movie. oh wow oh, yeah the way rules are wild well, i couldn't even keep track after yeah. a while spencer is fine again they lean really heavy on the idea of they set up a new dream warrior situation where you're in a, a facility where you have kids and they're all have a specific things to them you know all like troubled in Carlos specific with ways the ear, the, you know the, he's a stoner that plays video games you've got someone that's traumatized yeah. but also like boxes and is like what's his name from uh from dream master it's a combination um, of Terran and kincaid i think yeah, yeah and like it's very it's totally like plays on those things it's like really you couldn't just come out with totally different things but that's, i mean the carlos thing's really original i think that's my favorite yeah, part of we'll, we'll say we'll say the carlos, yeah, we'll say uh, carlos. spencer yeah, that that his whole death sequence is just abysmal, and it goes. It is I don't know long. if it's abysmal. I think the special effects, especially for the time, are pretty. I like the idea of him going to the video game. I don't mind the video game part of it, but him bouncing around and the that zaniness forever, and though. like yeah. you know Maggie like like the the, the, the quickened <laughs> camera of her being like rent 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 like looking boy. around. Uh, it is just. It's it's pretty hard. I mean, again, there is a pretty silly line about I can't wake him up. He's too wasted. I mean, yeah, he's I, too yeah. stoned. They I, say I, I've, I've been pretty drunk before. Yeah, but like, he's too stoned. Like I've, I you mean, can wake look, me up, if, if, if Yafet Koto can wake up by uh, by a radio alarm clock going off, we can't get <laughs> the first try. We can't, have three, we can't have three people like slap this kid and wake him up. Like it's crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I think that my memory once again did not serve me well because I thought that he died in the video game like pretty quick. I forgot that he's bouncing off the ceilings and like, it's like freezing on him hitting the ceiling and landing again. Like I get, I get that that's what it would look like in a video game, but aesthetically 
Well, it's not aesthetically pleasing watching it in a horror movie. But here's the thing, too. And like we were saying, this is where the rule stuff starts to get nuts. Yes. Because people historically, are disappearing. Historically, you know? and maybe it's because they're in Springwood, but we've never done that before. All the other movies have always been been on Elm Street. So it's like... Well, they're in Elm Street during this sequence, That's too. what I'm yeah. saying. It's, yeah. like, it's, not, it's not like they're... It's not like if Freddy was outside of Springwood and then the rules just like didn't make... It started getting crazy. Like Maybe you could sell that. But the fact that you're still... You're there in the town where all this has happened, and when people are sleeping, they're just sleeping, and then they wake up and they're dead or whatever it is. However... I just put my foot in my mouth because Tina and that was the one I her was body gonna... is actually physically dragged up the wall and all that. Well, stuff. Well, no, my issue is that bodies go missing. Oh, oh, the, when he goes like through the uh, TV and disappears. Well, like, or no, when like, Carlos did, is gone, they did the bodies disappeared. Like, yeah. that's the first. Oh, okay, that that's right. Oh, but, that's right. When John Doe like etherealizes, you know, whatever. Like, and like <laughs> they never even heard of him back <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. shuttle, but, yeah, yeah, the shuttle, but yeah, yeah, like Tina moves around the room, but yeah, then when uh, like I guess Glenn's physically happens but then like Kincaid just kind of dies well, he, he, he yeah. figured he's got stabbed inside no I all mean, that stuff makes sense the thing is I don't understand why you see their physical bodies disappear into yeah, like we, some netherworld you never see that in the past right but yeah, it, 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 it also part. I think his dream sequence could work like him alright so if the idea is that in, in his dream he is bouncing up and down like you would in a video game and it looks kind of silly I can get that but what would be cool is if they showed it in the real world, if he's actually just getting pummeled into the ceiling nonstop, kind think, of like Tina, that would that would work. Well, yeah. and, and, and he's like just bleeding like crazy. Yeah, if they like want to make it really make graphic, it you know? They make it silly in both worlds, which I think is, is the problem for me. Like, yeah, they actually yeah. made him – like Tina's works because you're like, oh, like she's – getting scraped around and there's blood yeah, everywhere yeah. and all this and th- and this like you see him fucking pogo sticking up and down <laughs> like it, 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 i mean there's a reason that stuff works in video games and not in real life and but i think they, that's right but the that, again this all goes back to they they doubled down on the comedy angle yeah. they did not want to make it a violent movie so they which which rachel talalay yeah. rachel talalay regrets she says they wish that they did lean more into the horror by the way in the behind the yeah, scenes yeah. but mike did you want to say something but no, i was just gonna say like they leaned more into the like let's make Really, why I give this one some pretty wild special effects because mm-hmm. that had worked. They were trying to recapture four, yeah, and three. I want think about this. <laughs> I can't get over this. Freddy's Dead is only seven years removed from a nightmare on Elm Street. Does it feel like it's like 20 years later? Uh, it feels like decades later, yeah, for sure. Well, I, think, I think about this like they announced all these Marvel movies, and it's been 11 years since Iron Man. I mean, that's that's insane. That well, we're I, it's I, I just once, weird. I once read that as technology progresses faster than everything else, like mm-hmm. people hold on to like styles a little bit more. Yeah, that's maybe. why, like, if you look at you know pictures of yourself from ten years ago, you're probably wearing the same shit. Like, yeah. we haven't seen a seismic shift in style like the way we saw from seventy four to eighty four to ninety four to oh four. Like about oh mm-hmm. four is where it kind of where it's kind of dressing the same, and it's like it's this weird like uh, security blanket. I think because technology is just moving so fast. And in terms of that, I think that there was a shift in the mid eighties when it came to film stock and film, because if you look at what, how uh, Freddy's revenge looks and then like, was it a year later you've got, or two years later, you've got dream warriors. And those also feel like they're like five years apart. But they're only a couple years apart because of the look of film changed. There was a huge, yeah, just over those 10 years, there was huge advancements. Also, you know, they're pouring way more money and, and stuff into these films as they get bigger. So it's it's like when you watch the, the, the Doctor Who reboot, the, the, the 2005, you know, the Eccleston season. Yeah. Versus now, now it's like shot like a fucking film. You know, it looks, course, you yeah, know the I mean? cinematography, like the budget's insane. Yeah. Um, there's no transition. But we talked about her a lot already. Maggie slash Catherine Kruger, played by Lisa Zane, who I knew 
from this amazing mid nineties Fox show called Profit. Oh that. yeah, he, she was the, the female lead. Adrian Pazdar's in this show from Near Dark. He's this real like rising up the corporate ladder guy. Sleeps in a cardboard box. Sleeps in a cardboard box in like this penthouse. He's like he's With it's, no it's a whack show, right? I mean, whack in yeah. a good way. It's a wild show and. Lasted very good one show. year or maybe not even. Like. It lasted a year. It got canceled. They, they traded rejigger things. It was very controversial at the time. Thinking about it now, it's like, oh, that's like every single show on Netflix. <laughs> but at the time, it was very disturbing. Well, hey, don't let it steal. You write that You write that piece for Consequence Sound, how Profit was ahead <laughs> I want to do time. the 25th anniversary of Profit. You wait, not anniversary. Shh, cut that part out. Don't Give tell nobody their, about that. They're going to love it. They love anniversaries. Um, but anyway, she, yeah, Lisa Zane is in this. She is kind of, I guess, a, a therapist in this. So basically, she's the Nancy Thompson role, except she's anti-dream therapy in this version. And she decides to take John Doe back to Springwood to, to try to trigger some memories. And I guess she, she had just met him a day before. But she's like, yeah, let's just get the hell out of here and go to Springwood. Um, Something I feel I remember, I need, or Go ahead. Yeah, I, I remember her being quite good in Profit, but some of the deliveries here are uh, not might be good. Direction. That might be direction. <laughs> That but again, that be, might be yeah. Like how many how many how many takes did yeah. you get? You know, I think she's fine. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's also too. It's like these lines are just uh, I don't know. Breckin Meyer for me is like, and maybe the guy who plays Carlos are like the only ones who can really deliver them kind of well. I, yeah. I don't know. Lisa Zane doesn't, but I think she's she's decent in this. But I she's decent. She's decent. I also haven't seen Profit, so I don't know. If hey, that it's a great show. I, I I feel I need to go here on every episode when we talk about one of the female leads, Lisa Zane, in pigtails and a baby doll dress as a teenager yeah, of the nineties is a vision. And and my my crush continued on through Fox's short lived show Profit, starring Adrian Pazdar, <laughs> as we mentioned earlier. She does deliver one of the I mean, actually her I'll give it her and Unglin have one of the best like moments in the whole movie when she says, But this isn't Springwood and he exclaims that every town has Elm Street. That's one of my favorite moments. Oh, that's a that's a pretty that's the big line of the movie. That belongs yeah, in a better that belongs, that belongs in a much better movie, probably. That belongs in the Peter Jackson version of this uh, of yeah. this movie that I, we never saw. I felt like I was kind of ambivalent. Like I remember her when I think back on this movie, even though Breck Myers in this and, and and the Carlos thing's really memorable, I, I only remember her face yeah. when I think about this movie. So that's something. But I was pretty ambivalent about her performance in this. It's it's just kind of like, meh. What do you think about the final line? Oh, just <laughs> uh, horrendous. Wait, remind me of what... Horrendous. It's not... It's not Freddy's dead. It's like a very no. It, it is. is. It it's is. Just Freddy's it is. dead. That's it. Yeah. They, they all then, get out of the dream, and she just kind of laughs and goes, "Freddy's dead," and then it ends. <laughs> it just fades. <laughs> and no, no, it's funny oh, that once the, once the credits started. I was kind of into it. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm getting to see all these cool scenes from the better Nightmare movies. You know, my my like favorite part of the movie is the, yeah, the, the credits. All that great With montage. the music, with the song, and then the montage. And, but back to the, the line, Freddy's dead, it's like, and back to the soundtrack. And they really missed out not putting Curtis Mayfield's Freddy's dead on this, <laughs> oh my on this God. soundtrack. Like, like, ignore the spelling. Ignore the spelling. Ignore the spelling. Like, cut the trailer to it or something. That's, that's bound to happen eventually. I think eventually. that the, my, my biggest problem with Maggie slash Catherine's character is you have this character that you've just introduced that you don't care about and you find out only like 10 minutes before Freddy gets killed that her importance to the franchise and she's the one that that kills him. It just feel it just doesn't feel earned at all. You don't care. It's like if you're gonna do this, uh, you know, 
shoehorn Nancy back in for the la- for the, like the, to, for the final move. You know what I mean? Like, well, they also I don't blow the reveal. That. Um, you pretty much figure out that's going to be her at a certain point when you realize in the first ten minutes that it's a little girl running around and right, not right, right. Unless they got really progressive with it. <laughs> and they were like, John Doe is actually, you but know, it's like a sleep week so situation. Sleep, I, we, yeah, just, sleep we just watched that at the bar last night. But did, did anyone here actually feel like invested in any of these characters? And if you did, was Maggie one of them? No, no, no. no. I was invested in my time. Part of the that's part of the problem with this with this movie. Even though like I seem to be the one who you know can look past who it doesn't and hate enjoy it, it um, yeah. and, is that the Elm Street series when we talked about it on uh, Dream Child. They always took more care into the characters and the audience's relationship mm-hmm. to them than needed you needed to do uh, in a horror franchise right. in the eighties. And like, two, that's why two and six are the anom- anomalies. Like, they don't really have anything to do with the other ones. And like, it's weird because six could have done like they could have brought those characters back at least. To, I mean, if if you're returning Elm Street character, you're probably going to die. In the opening moments. Yeah, but I, and, and I think there were like a, there were early drafts where Alice does come back but dies in the first like twenty minutes or something. But I think like that. that's a big final, problem with the script. It's, it's the, the final it's movie. The final why not? Just, movie, why, not yeah. why not in the yeah. last half have the remaining like living people from from uh, Dream Child or, or like her and the, and an older Jacob come in and fucking kill Freddy at the end of this thing the, and have that be like a big reveal. The like, Innovation Comics so series, which kind of tied into it, had the Dream Warriors. Yeah. in it. People love the Dream Warriors. Or, you know what? Hey, you're going to go into the future. Have it be like 10, 20 years in the future where there are like, it's very like Terminator 2-esque. Like there's Dream Warriors now like purposely being sent into Dream States to track down Freddy. Like that would be cool. <laughs> that's what I said when I saw Inception. Like that's the movie I want to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dreams, like let's redo, oh, let's man. do Dream I like this Nightmare on Elm Street 6, uh, Dark Fate. <laughs> sounds pretty good. Okay, looks good. Looks great. Looks great. Um, I'm being serious. I'm being deadly serious. I think it looks like the best Terminator yet. Um, <laughs> right, I'm such who, an asshole. Anyway, let's. Be, uh, uh, next character is Tracy, played by Leslie Dean. Now, Leslie Dean had some connections to Robert England earlier. She was actually in an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. More importantly, That's she the, uh, was in Robert England's directorial debut, 976 oh, Evil. She plays, yeah, Tracy, who, once again, much like Spencer, we learn a lot about her in the first 30 <laughs> seconds. She's very, very aggressive. She can fight back, and she does not like to be touched. So this is also another thing that would have worked brilliantly in another, in Dream Child or Dream Warriors even, or especially Master. Like, this is way too heavy. of, And I know we're dealing with a child murder and a molestation, <laughs> but this this is also like a really serious topic and really serious uh, yeah. thing to be dealing with in a movie that, that has self-proclaimed be like, we want to make this a Looney Tunes movie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't work. Yeah. The scene itself, I think, where she fights her her, her father and stuff like that, that works, but it, does, it feels like it's a different movie. It feels yeah. like we're watching the sequel to Dream Child. You know what I mean? Well, the character arc is very strange because all of a sudden it's revealed that she knows how to enter people's dreams oh, by certain therapy. Oh yeah, because doc- but again, like there was yeah, more of a doc sequence yeah. that was cut out of the movie. They cut that thing out, yeah. and she kind of becomes the Alice character, where she's the one that kind of you know she kicks ass, much like Alice. Yeah, I feel like she was a hybrid of every so many characters from those earlier yeah. Elm Street movies. But well, you uh, see, however many drafts this went through, they probably. Uh, I mean, that happens. It's like I always talk about Beverly Hills Cop three on a different tip. Like <laughs> Hector Alexander's character is obviously any draft he was taggered, yeah, and then no question. They're like, okay, we're not getting him back. 
He's Hector Elizondo now. <laughs> he is the cousin. Is he like related somehow, though, to the John Aston character? No, he just knew him. He just, oh, he, he knew him. They were on the force. I think that Ugh. creepy line, the father, the, the no honey for daddy. Oh. Thing, like, that's Mm-mm. sick. Well, I will say, though, and I was thinking about this as I was watching Freddy's Dead, that if Freddy's Dead was released today, as is, and this was like the new Elm Street movie, it would be lauded by genre critics. It would be heralded oh, yeah. as a return to form for the series. And... It's got a you know Rachel Talley, a female director in the oh, director's yeah. chair, mm-hmm. and the, the editor way, also a female editor, and it would uh, and it's for its '90s aesthetics and the way it uh, portrays survivors. Um, the the problem with that is is that you've got all those ingredients. It, it's like uh, it's a great press release, but the execution it's, it's a fail for me. Yeah. Like you can have all these great ingredients. Like this is great. It's good that this is happening. It's good that we've got Rachel Talley doing this. She's earned it. Blah blah blah. But if it's not how's a good the movie? movie, it's not a good movie. Yeah, I, period. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's okay. I mean, they've got survivors. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, Mike, I've got Mike on the poster. poster. Mike's gonna be on the 30th anniversary poster. It's okay, Mike Vanderbilt, Daily Grindhouse. Uh, but oh yeah, this, every... this is another character though where I totally forget that she doesn't die. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I always thought that she dies at, 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 during that nightmare, but she, there's three she survivors lives. in this movie, yeah. which is a lot for there, for an Elm Street. It's movie. Uh, it's a pretty wild conclusion for her. Uh, but on, an, on another serious note, though, um, the actress herself repressed memories of actually being assaulted when she was younger came up. Yeah, and that, during oh, that, really? that yeah. is intense. Yeah. But no, she says it was, it was a good thing because she'd repressed those memories and was able to move forward because of that. So I thought that was pretty uh, pretty incredible. If you look at so you know you look at these movies, we kind of bash exactly. these movies, but at the same time, if it helped a young woman move forward in her life, I mean, good Jesus, you know, it, it's it's worth the movie oh, being made. I, you know what I mean? And not for not for nothing, like as bad as phrase that is, if someone asked me to be in it, that like I would be in it. Like, <laughs> of course, <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 of no, course, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, we obviously we're picking it apart. That's our job, but at the same time, like, yeah. Um, no, that that is actually. I don't like very... this script for Freddy's Dead. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> take, I'm not <laughs> taking this um, job. Like new line is sequel to this. Yeah, please. All right, next character, Carlos, played by Ricky Dean Logan. Now you might remember him from Back to Future Two and Three. He's in Needles Gang. He's, he's, he's got some really obnoxious the, dialogue. Like, oh, you don't. He's, he's in the back of the pickup when they when they they race. Yeah, but I also remember him from Seinfeld. In the Kramer goes to L.A. episode, he's like that that that's that bonged out witness. He's like, yeah, man. Oh, his oh, name was Kramer. That's that guy. Very oh, funny that's bit. Funny, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned earlier, he was originally supposed to play John uh, the Doe. character of John Doe, but he found the character of Carlos more compelling. And I have to say, he made the right choice. Yeah, because without giving anything away. Well, I guess I'm going to give something away. My favorite <laughs> dream is is absolutely his nightmare. Um, I, so yeah, his thing once again, at least for me. Uh, once again, we meet him as established. He's, he's got a handicap right off the bat, and, and, and he's totally deaf without his hearing aid. I liked his little map dream as well with the, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. the back of the van thing. All right, yeah, so this dream sequence of his, this is my favorite sequence from a technical level, especially. I think the sound design is really good here. Uh, just with the, you can only hear him breathing and, and just they totally drop out the score. They totally drop out all the sound effects, which I liked I think a lot. That's also why some of the scares in this thing work because you don't have these like zany cues. You don't, you know, again, they lean more on the horror in this sequence and, yeah. and the, the, the ear thing is violent Ooh. as hell. Yeah. Like whenever they do lean on the horror, it, it works. 
So yeah, it's like, I wish they had the just ear. done that. The Q-tip through the ear is I always brutal. forget about the Q-tip because I oh. always remember the little Oof. parasitic hearing aid that he has, which yeah. is great also. Well, but I, I always forget that it starts with that Q-tip, which is I, ugh, so gross looking. I winced. I'm grown man. I winced during the Q-tip. In the ear stuff, I'm out. It's hard. hard. I always thought and I always remembered that when I thought like he, when he put the Q-tip in that he ended up like pulling out his like eardrum. And that's that thing that's like on his head. Yeah. Oh, but that, yeah. that's what I remembered like seeing, but that's obviously not what happened. But yeah, having it go all the way through his head. And I, th- I don't think I had seen, I think maybe the last time, well, no, I, if, if I watched this with you guys, and I definitely watched the DVD, but <laughs> I feel like my remembrance of that is not that it goes all the way through the head. Maybe I'm thinking of like a television cut or something. Like you see, oh, it there's going no in, way you see that on TV. It, you know? And how Ugh. do you feel about Freddie kind of hopping? I- this is the exception to my my rule about like the the overtly funny Freddy is I didn't mind you see him behind him kind of like mocking him walking around behind him because you're not hearing him mocking him and walking around you know yeah it's this yeah. really strange outlier to the franchise of just kind of this quiet Freddy he always walking around he always liked taking glee yeah and, yeah and that's what that is and, I, and, and, and it's that that shot is done really well where you see him doing that and it's almost over the top but then it cuts right back to to Carlos's point of view. And he looks like the opposite way of where he was headed, and and you don't see him. So it yeah. is very like he's lit, he's right behind you. You can hear the audience yelling, you know. Exactly. Well, I think but, I think too because yeah, like you said, it's coming from this bullying, tormenting place in Freddy. And also, I've said this from the beginning. I there are a few moments in the nightmare movies where Freddy thinks he's being funny, but it's clear to the audience that he's actually not funny. Like, and that's like a hard, that's a tough line to walk. And I think that walks it really nicely here. Like we, we know that, no, this isn't funny. He's being like horrible right now. And I think that's why like the, him, him hopping up and down behind him works really well. And like you said, we don't have the sound, which is, yeah, that, one, that does a lot of work right there. One of the lasting sequences for me also is, uh, the needles <laughs> dropping. That's something that always kind of yeah. stuck with me. That's something I remembered. But once again, I always thought that that is what made his head explode. I forgot about the chalkboard, oh, the yeah. expanding chalkboard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, the, the expanding part of it, I, I wish that had gone on long. <laughs> oh, long, just him know? running up and down. Just, yeah, but I, I or or you know, or a throwback to the first one where it expands and then he has the long arm yeah, again, yeah, you know, do it or something like that. I feel like there was there were missed opportunities there, um, sidestepping for a second that. You know, having this be the final movie, they, I felt like there could have been a lot of for for a series that has so many gimmicks and things. I th- I felt like I would have actually appreciated a lot a lot more just like little subtle nods like that throughout. You know, yeah. but what can you do? I, I do actually kind of like the uh, nice hearing from you, Carlos, because it's really brutal and mean. Yeah. As opposed to just being like, <laughs> well, because Freddie was telling jokes know. from the first one. Exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. Pe- I yeah. agree. But he wasn't just he wasn't doing like a bit where he's like, oh, I'm. I'm playing Atticus Finch here or something like that. I don't know. He's, like, he's playing a famous character everybody knows. Yeah. He's just playing, he's just an asshole. Why did I go to Atticus Finch? Oh, because I was thinking of like a chalkboard in school or something. <laughs> <laughs> he, was he wasn't even a teen, he was a lawyer. But anyway. Yeah. I want to see that movie. Actually, thank God they didn't do Atticus Finch in this. That would really, that would not, you know, that wouldn't have dated very well if they did that. Um, all right, next character here. A man who needs no introduction, but I have to because it's on the podcast and I can't show you visual. He was, of course, Mr. Big in Live and Let Die. He was in Alien. He was in Homicide, Life on the Street, also a respected uh, thespian of the stage. Yafit Kodo. Unbelievable performance here. I, I, I was so shocked to see him even as a youth. Like, what? Yafit Kodo's seemed, in the sixth Nightmare on Elm Street movie? He seemed, even at 11, he seemed too big for an Elm Street movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, what? You don't, very like, 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 Mr. Kodo, excuse me. 
you don't need to be here. <laughs> you don't need to be in this. <laughs> we do you think we, they paid him we, for we, that? No, and I say that because I have so much respect for Yafakoto. Uh, he is he is the doctor that does believe in dream therapy. He's the almost kind of like the Nancy of this movie. The Nancy. How many Thompson Nancys are in this movie? movie? Yeah. Uh, and he introduces, of course, right off the bat, the first time you meet him, he talks about the dream demons. Which you can right away. Which is basically a magic eye painting that you can only see with 3D glasses. Yes. Much like the ending of the movie is a magic eye painting, oh, it looks God. like. Real, real quick, what is the... Uh what is the exact explanation of the 3D glasses in the end? I even oh, it's a we, we had to, Mac and I watched. We had <laughs> to. We had to rewind it. We had and, to and rewind. listen again. Yeah. She basically says he gives it to her, and she goes. She actually says, "This is ridiculous." And I'm like, "Yeah, no shit." And he goes, "No, it's because they can be whatever you want them to be in the dream, and that they mean." He's like, "These mean nothing to him, but in, in the to dream, you, to you, you can like use these these to become." You can use them for other purposes. I guess maybe to go through but his they mind. Don't really do I don't that. know. They don't, it was, she, doesn't, she doesn't use them. In the Basically, what they, should, they should have just had the flashing 3D uh, yeah. thing on the screen. Yeah. That would have been enough I, to let I me know. I guess it is in line with, with the Nightmare movies who have done this before, especially in Dream Warriors, with like, oh, I can, in my imagination, I can use this seemingly harmless thing you know, in a powerful she use, way. Does she use the glasses in any way Not in the Dream? Really. No. They really, disapp- no. put, it's like she kind of puts it on to go into his mind in this final conversation. But I, I, I did the same thing. I rewatched it like three times. Like, wait, what? And yeah, just I, I felt like an idiot. But then I'm like, no, I, I don't think it's me who's the idiot. I think it's the yeah. movie. Uh, well, that's, well, that's well he you also know, lives. We got to talk about that last sequence of right. I think right when Freddie dies, somehow. He's able to pull the entire cage door off its hinges oh, yeah, and throw it across that. the room like Kincaid or something. And we're like, we're not in a dream. So it's so Do you know weird. who he is? He's Yafet Koto. Yeah. I don't question I Yafet believe Yafet that he can do it. I don't believe Doc can do it in this movie. Doc's sitting there I munching, on it, munching on his french fries in his fucking messy office is going to pull that I door believe off I believe if Yafet Koto believes he can rip a metal door off its hinges, <laughs> then I believe that Yafet Koto can rip a metal fries. door I just don't believe Doc can. All right. All right. Here's something important. Once again, the only people that die in this movie are the boys. If you take away the flashback death of, of uh, Freddie's wife, John Doe. All right, thank you. John Doe, yeah. Carlos. Carlos and uh, what's Spencer's Spencer. name? Spencer. Spencer. Oh, by the way, how about this? Uh, two characters' names in this movie? Spencer Tracy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that, that has to be deliberate, right? Oh, no, yeah, that's absolutely uh, probably. deliberate. I feel like yeah, Spencer Tracy's man, was yeah, son was like it was, a, a it was uh, Spencer Carlos Tracy. Yes. <laughs> what a what a cool Easter egg. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's gonna be on all like the bonus features coming up. And then we was Doctor Matt Maggie Catherine. Oh boy. Okay. Do we need to talk at all about? I guess they're more cameos than anything. Uh, the uh, the Rose the Ro- Roseanne oh, Barnes. Tom Arnold. Let's there. do it, We're Roseanne and Tom yeah, yeah, Arnold. You want to uh, talk about something that dates this movie as nineteen ninety one? Not only those two, but them being married and actually yeah. talking to each other <laughs> dates this movie tremendously. So, you know what's funny? Apparently, is- they were credited at both as Mister and Mrs. Tom Arnold in the crowd. Don't. I don't know why, but uh, well, in, in the cast on here it says like child, childless woman, childless man, and whenever I remember this film, I always thought that they were big that they were bigger characters in the movie and that like roseanne that it was a flashback where they were robert england's parents oh wow 
Like no, the, I, I remember like the weird flashbacky <laughs> sequences that I always I always recalled them being part of that flashback sequence, not oh. actually characters at the carnival. Like I thought that they were part of like the past flashbacks in some which way, shape, or form. Maybe like Maggie's foster parents or something that were awful. Like I, I made up this whole thing to make up to, <laughs> to reason why they're in this movie, except for the fact that they just like were fans of the franchise. I, apparently, I yeah, do just wanted to be think in that it. their yeah. dialogue is pretty creepy. I, I will say, it. like the whole the whole like oh I'll protect you this time, like them implying oh. Freddie got their kids and they're stuck in this endless carnival loop. I, I don't know. I actually thought, I mean, once I got past the fact that it was Roseanne Tom Arnold, I actually <laughs> thought that was one of the more unsettling parts of the movie. But I, what, do you, yeah. what do you guys think? I don't know. I mean, it's just, it kind of pulls you out. Well, that, you yeah, know, that's what especially, especially, that's what 1991. especially in 1991. Yeah. Uh, but again, if, if these were just no name actors selling those lines, yeah. I think I would, that would have been a really creepy moment because you're yeah. just like, oh, these parents are just like so gone, lost and hungry for their children that they're just like, it's, like, it's a Twilight Zone episode. It's, it's, it's a really cool twist, but yeah, don't put really well known <laughs> actors in it. It's like whenever they do any, any of these movies these days, like, like, well, that, it's like that, when Mike Myers shows up in Inglorious Bastards. Like I can't. Yeah, I've got my take, old issues with that like, movie. Like August Osage County, like or even or like, even, like a, even like a prestige play <laughs> yeah, like that. That was right? the only problem. Even a prestige play like August Osage County, like that movie, like every single person is a huge actor, mm. and it's like you can't get invested because you just you're just constantly like, oh, that's Ewan McGregor, because, that's Meryl yeah. Streep, that's Julia Roberts. You know, you, you don't think that they're any of these characters at all. Hey, it's uh, quick, hey funny you mention August Osage County because the mom from Roseanne, uh, Roseanne's mom, originated the role that Meryl Streep mm. plays in the movie, and she was great. Uh, hey, so, hey, you know, yeah, speaking of, speaking of Roseanne, you know, Tracy Letts wrote August Osage County, and he is Laurie Metcalf's husband in Lady Bird. Oh, oh yeah. Laurie, right. Oh, yeah. You're right. Right. It all comes all... back to the replacements and Roseanne. Well, I want to say earlier, <laughs> The week before we wrote that huge Nightmare on Elm Street kills feature, the week before, Mike, myself, Dan, and a couple other people went up to Minnesota to see the replacements play. That is true. Hey, cause the wheel. And no. replacements inspired Goo Goo Dolls who were on this soundtrack. It all is connected. And for Incredible. the record, for the record, the only good cameo in any movie of all time is Sean Connery in uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I love the cam. Don't don't get Caffrey started. But I love it's the only only cameo ever. uh, Love the movie. Love the cameo. Love the whole thing. Love it. Talking about a a movie when you're like the first movie you can remember not liking when you're little. That was that one for me because everyone everyone loved that movie. And even at seven, at seven, I was like, this movie sucks. Terrific, great score, great action, great performances. I mean, an all in and a pretty good accent from Kevin Costner. It took two hours to get there, but we finally talked about Princess. Hey, historians have now come around and said that his accent's actually probably more in line with what it would be because they didn't really have like thick accents. Ha ha! What do you think about that? I love the cartoony attempted rape scene. Uh, I love the I love Friar Tuck fucking looking at the camera at the end. Great movie. He's anyway. not looking at the camera. He's looking at the crowd. Uh, but the way it's shot, so like, oh come on. Uh, anyway, hey. You sound like you dislike that more. That hey, look, more than look, Dan. Dead. <laughs> Dan, it's no Robin Hood Dark Fate, but I think it still looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm gonna say Dark Fate no i guarantee i would take the animated one i'll take the bbc oh, one. well listen one. listen mike if, if, the, the, if only for michael kamen's score in that film the score's uh, amazing I, I will take the that animated yeah. look listen the animated robin hood is is superior best disney movie i, I think it's my favorite disney movie too yeah. robin hood prince of anyway. came out the same year as freddy's dead he's all 1991 anyway okay listen it's all connected we are losing our minds here <laughs> i want to say two more things yeah i i, I like the johnny depp cameo Yes. Oh, that, that one's that, great. That was a great way of saying, of going full circle. Yeah. yeah. He's in the first I like movie. That. Yeah. I yeah. like yeah. that. And 
the the person sitting next to John Doe in the airplane in the beginning was originally supposed to be played by Divine. Yeah, as a John Waters throwback. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because oh, it, it's the I John Waters liked, connection. I would have liked that too. But she yeah, like that. passed away. I think she passed away. Yeah, right like, before right that. before that. Very sad. By the way, if if you haven't checked them out, ch- check out some of those early John Waters movies, which are just oh wild and crazy, brave and brilliant. I think really good stuff. You know what's not great? Some of the special effects of this movie, <laughs> despite the title of this next category, great graphics. Ah! <laughs> what do you know? I beat my high score. <laughs> Okay, maybe I'm being a little harsh. There's some good special effects here. What were your favorite special effects moments in this movie? Whether or not it's you know a death or just something that happens within somebody's nightmare. The house, the house coming out, like shooting up into the earth. Oh wait, I yeah. mean that looks pretty sharp considering. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it was model work, and I think it was John Carl Buchler did a lot of the uh, visual. Effects he sure he was. He came back from part. Four. Four. Mm-hmm. He worked with Scream, but Screaming Mad George didn't come back. Like, that's just, it always stuck with me. I think it's a terrific visual. Again, very Looney Tunes. Yeah. But I explained that I like the Looney but Tunes I like element. That. I have here, yes. I don't have a lot here, but I do have um, John Doe's recurring room dreams. I think I, I like all the room stuff where you keep there, th- thinking a, he's waking up. It's just like the dialogue and the delivery of some of the acting during those sequences is silly, but I like the concept of that. Mm-hmm. I do like. Like I was saying, like how many times do they go back to that that house? But let's you know, that is just like a dream loop situation. You know, I and I, I do like that. And he's gotten so used to it. And then he, at one point, he just jumps out the window. You know what I mean? Because he yeah. knows what's coming. You know, like um, I think the video game at the time. I think that the video game stuff and the psychedelic stuff uh, was the uh, pretty the, fresh. The, the Nick Arcade. Uh, the Nick scenario. Arcade. Absolutely. Kind of like uh, any movie around. within a God of the Vita in it. That's just <laughs> it's this yeah. and Manhunter for me. I mean, I'm <laughs> all in. I, yeah. What I'm thinking about the actual, just the effects. We're just talking about how the effects look. The only, the only big things I have against this movie are Freddy's makeup, which is a pretty big, big flaw, and then those those dream demons. I don't even mind the design <laughs> so much. Just the 3D effects look like garbage. I think um, they do look the, bad. That whole, the 3D, the, all the 3D stuff. I mean, that that never looks good on camera. And I, I would not say the 90s were an era where we perfected 3D. So all of that looks pretty bad at the end. Um, well, I mean, it, it looks really D. rough now, not in 3D because mm-hmm. it was yeah, shot totally. for that. I think there's an overuse. I guess we'll just get our least favorite things here too. There's an overuse of green screen too, and and which which I think dates this movie worse than something like even The Dream Child in terms of effects. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, I love the, like, we already talked about it, but the, that Q-tip whole sequence, I think the special effects are great in that. Yes, uh, yes, the yeah, and I, I would agree on the house, too. I think that's a, yeah. That, but yeah, but it's really not like a, outside of that 3D scene at the end, it's really not like a special effects extravaganza like the way 3 and 4 were, you know? Or even 5, I guess. My Oh, my favorite special effect, though, is when the kids go into the house and you discover it like kind of comes to life oh. and it's it's Nancy's house. I had forgotten about I like that. that because I was, I was watching her Friday. They're going to the house. I'm like, why the fuck wouldn't they just have him go in Freddy's house? Why and don't they? Oh, and, that's yeah. why. No, I, I like that a lot. I like, once again, that's an example of them being very loyal to the past where the house does look like Nancy Thompson's old house. It, oh, yeah. It really no, they, does. They, 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 the, it, the production designer yeah. nailed it. They this, went back. Not like Halloween 5. I was going to say <laughs> the exact same thing. It's like they walked into some mansion, you know, like some gothic mansion where the Myers family used to live or something like that. 
Wait, didn't um, they film some of this in Salt Lake City? Am I making that up, or is that another? No, sorry, I just watched Hereditary, which I found out was no, in Utah. Sorry. This was because I looked because I was wondering where they shot all the stuff with the leaves on the ground. Like, it's I think this is the first Elm Street movie not shot in Los Angeles because it's shot. I, in, you're like, probably right about some that. other. It, they went up to one of the you know you know South Pasadena or something like that, that. Like yeah. further out, it seems like. But yeah. I don't know my way around LA. I, I actually thought the, the scene where they keep showing the van looping back and forth and it keeps pulling up into that intersection, I was convinced. I'm like, oh, man, that looks like the opening intersection from Halloween in South Pasadena, Montrose, and whatever it's called. And I looked. It's not, unfortunately. But I was, like, so hoping it would be. I'm like, oh, what a cool con- – but, yeah. It, it would have been a good connect. It would have been a good connect. Um, uh, anything else to say about the special effects before we move on? There's just not a lot in this one, considering. Yeah. I mean, considering again, considering um, the final Elm Street movie. Not necessarily a special effect, but something I don't know where we would bring it up. But the um, when they go into the basement and there's the other gloves. Oh yeah, used that was that, interesting. I, I, that's something I forgot to mention when we were talking about Freddy earlier. Same here. I kind of thought this is really interesting. Like that, that we never seen this. And it was kind of cool to see the other gloves and stuff because it was just like this. It was a total throwaway thing, but I like the attention to detail in terms of like what maybe there were other things that they, he used. And, they built all of those gloves for a shot that barely shows them. But and I like, like yeah, that the awesome. attention to detail. But that's really works. that's what I really like. And like the hand, that, just that yeah. one shot of the handcuffs hanging up in there. Like yeah, this guy was up yeah. to no good. It was yeah, not you know? a good situation down there in that basement. <laughs> and there were some cool gloves. The ones with just the razor blades on, and yeah. there was one that had hooks on it. It just had like the. Um, yeah, one just had like the like a like like ne- like almost like nails or something. Yeah, like, needles know, almost. Yeah. yeah, needles. Speaking of needles from Back to Future Part Three <laughs> with the character that Carlos played. Yeah. But the, uh, the isn't that the part, is that Part Three? He's in yes. two and three. Oh, 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 that's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Sorry, not 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 extremely complimentary. There was no screaming Mad George doing any effect in this yeah. movie. Uh, but as I always say, rest in peace, John Carl Buechler. Who passed away a few months ago? Um, our next category, we're going to talk about what we think is the best nightmare in the category we call "Welcome to Prime Time, Bitch." I got Carlos Nightmare. It's the most imaginative, and that's a big. That's something I always stress when I talk about why the Nightmare Elm Street movies work more than like even like the thing I always say is that the worst Nightmare Elm Street movie or the worst Nightmare Elm Street sequel is still better than the best Halloween sequel. And I would say the the is more imaginative than no, the best Halloween yes, sequel. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's what I would say. And you could almost lean in the best. I'm just saying with <laughs> Halloween, maybe not with a uh, Friday Thirteenth because the Friday Thirteenth movies kind of ebb and flow. They're I agree, hundred percent. Halloween's a downward slope. Like I feel like the Elm Street movies just kind of hang out. There's a mid. They they, they they're all pretty. It's they pretty peak, level. They peak this at is, like four. This is maybe the only. This is the only on a rewatch. This really is like the only dip for me. I agree. Um, I think the first even, five are pretty watchable. You know, three, four, you know? and five. When you watch them so, like back to back, like we have, it, you know, I, I've come to love that trilogy, the Alice trilogy, and yeah. or, or or the Dream trilogy. trilogy, and or yeah, that that trilogy I like. <laughs> Dan, um, but, your favorite yeah, Dan. nightmare? Oh yeah, Carlos for sure. I mean, I, I really actually think the opening is pretty decent, also with the the plane and the house falling and all that. But I mean, Carlos far and away. Car- Every time I watch that mo- this movie. 
um, when we get to it, I'm always like, oh yeah, I forget this is in it. And I'm always excited about it. And then the movie just goes back to being shitty again. But I, <laughs> I, I love that movie. I, or do, I love that scene. I do like, uh, what's the chick's name? The young girl? With straight Tracy. Oh, Tracy. Yeah. I like the character of Tracy. Because yeah, yeah. I think... It's something that they never really explored in the Elm Street movies that I was thinking about while I was watching this one. Like, they don't go into real nightmares people have. Like, I've never seen one where people lose their teeth. I've never seen that one where you, uh, you've yeah, missed your yeah. class yeah, and you're like, yeah, yeah. you're 32 years old, but you're, you're back in high school, but you're repeating Ugh. a grade school class you're that still you haven't the been there. And the panic oh, of it, oof. yeah. because yeah. they're so real, you know. That like, is but they've never really delved into, like, real nightmares. Like, we all, like, when I mentioned those, we all know exactly what I was talking about. We've all yeah, had that. Yeah, nightmare. and I think that that's a huge missed opportunity. And New Line, if you're listening, <laughs> I think that's a really good idea is to to those those common nightmares that everyone seems to have had at some point. Forgetting your lines on stage if like, you're actor. Yes, everybody's had a nightmare, so everybody can relate to that. And that's why these movies have done so well over the years. But like maybe maybe singling out some of those specific nightmares the, that people have all had at the, some point or another. I think that's another really cool way of tapping into some people's fear. The map dream kind of ties into that because one a dream I, I've had in several different forms, be it like when I played inline hockey, being a bartender or being a musician, I had the same style of dream, nightmare where it's like I'm just about to play the game, play the show, go to work. And everything goes to shit. Yeah. yeah. All my equipment's out of tune. I can't get my skates on, Like, but it's all that, it's the same dream. It's you that stress dream of, you know, of not being yeah. prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there, there are moments of that, and there are a few moments like that throughout the series. Like, anytime they do the time loop, I feel like that feels like a real dream. Absolutely. Like, oh, like they're just getting stuck. Yeah. And some of those mo- more mundane terrors, I think, can be just as effective as, as some of the more extravagant stuff in the films. Which one is it where I think somebody is. Has their pants down. Oh, um, four. Four. When he's in the stall and all the girls are laughing with his pants down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a good that's example of legit. that. Yeah. yeah, that's a yeah. legit one. Yeah. Uh, I've got no transition. Let's go to the next category. Told ya, comic books was bad for ya. Okay, so for this, this section, we're going to talk about kind of some of the merchandising around the movie or... More specifically, I should just say flat out, we're going to talk about the Nightmare on Elm Street DVD collection that came out, I guess, maybe a, a decade plus ago. It's been a while. What a terrific box Wonderful set. Wonderful box set. I was set. so excited to get that. And I'm it's not really sure. Cool. I think somebody stole it from me. Oh, no. I was looking at it pretty the other day, and I was like, I don't have that. I actually, uh, the way I watched this one, because I own New Nightmare, and I, I think... Uh, the remake is streaming somewhere, but the way I watched Freddy's Dead was I had to check it out from the library at school, and it was that box set, and I was really excited <laughs> to like. To, I, I mean, unfortunately, it's on a shitty movie, but um, yeah, it was just cool to have that in my hands again. I just love that each DVD has like the old VHS, you know, not uh, the VHS, but the old like movie poster. Artwork. Yeah, yeah, the old movie poster artwork, and it's just it feels really cohesive. It's all new line. It's not like you know when they cobble together like the Halloween series finally. It's aesthetically the box set isn't like brilliant because like every all the posters everything looked really different. I love that they always had like kind of similar posters and it felt really cohesive. There was no really Frankensteining; it was all New Line Cinema. It does drive me crazy. There's a Blu-ray set that has all seven of them. It's the one we have at the bar, and like on oh, the menus, yeah. they have the wrong makeup on the wrong movies. It drives me insane. And, uh, <laughs> I yeah. They're fucking mad about it. I, I've no got a so I've got a Halloween two DVD. Which is just like the worst looking DVD, and on the back it's just a picture of him from Halloween, Curse of Michael Myers. It's just like you couldn't <laughs> find anything. Anyway, we're getting way off track yeah. here, but I yeah. want to talk about this collection because for Freddy's Dead, it includes the 3D glasses. So if you missed out the theatrical experience, you could finally watch 
the the finale in 3D, it gives you the option to watch it either standard or 3D. So because I get headaches when you look at old 3D, Mac was the one who bravely put on the glasses. And no, oh, you did it. It's yeah. only a ten minute sequence. Mac must have complained at least five times. I'm getting a headache. <laughs> it, 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 it killed me. You know, it's funny though because watching it, I I don't think I'd ever done that. Yeah. And it's probably because we watched it in a group. And when you're doing that, you're not going to watch in the 3D version. You know. Yeah. But I I actually I was surprised that you know the 3D it it there's a dropped depth to it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really as much. They don't really do a ton of like the, oh, here's a stick pointing at you. You know, there's a little bit of that, but um, there is a dropped depth to it, but it, it's that old. I mean, we've come so far now with 3D stuff. Yeah. It's like, I wish if they're ever going to go back and clean this up, you know, let's, let's, do let's the give 3D, it the right. 3D treatment. Yeah. The whole fucking movie. I mean, that you was know? the big That'd selling cool. point of that. Like when was the last time there was a 3D movie in theaters before Freddy's dead? Probably like, like, Fred, like Captain like, EO. It was probably Friday like the 13th, uh, part of three. Friday 3D, three, Jaws 3, Amityville 3D. It was like this weirdly, there's this really strange boom of 3D movies in the yep. early mid 80s. But then it dropped you. away. Yeah. Uh, the box set comes with just white 3D glasses, right? Yeah, it's the white 3D glasses with the red and blue lenses. Because yeah. the one in the theaters were the red and blue lenses, but they were orange, just like uh, Maggie's in the movie. And they yeah, said I saw Fred, a picture of the phrase dead on it. Yeah. 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 I love there's more attention to detail in the 3D glasses into the theaters <laughs> than there was with the they franchise knew, itself. They knew it was selling point. I believe there in was also movie. an ad for House Party 2. On uh, the other side, which was New Lines, other big release that year. I never saw. I only but, saw House Party One, which I liked. Mike is uh, is is there one of those promos for Freddie said the the oh, video store uh, distribution ones? Uh, so uh, the media promos that we uh, we've talked about on Twitter. Um, I there's one for three. There's one for four. Four is, might be my favorite because it's around Christmas. And there's one for five, but I don't believe there is one for part six. But my uh, favorite man. my favorite bit of like kind of weirdo like Freddie stuff from this era was do you guys remember the Horror Hall of Fame that aired in syndication? There were Horror Hall of Fame 1, 2, and 3, and they would give awards to existing horror movies. No. And it was just a clip oh, show yeah. kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And Robert Unglund ho- would host them, and they only did three years of them. I don't remember this at all. And um, this I'm ashamed of myself. been the third year, I think, second or third year, Sam Kinison came out and introduced... They did a little like um, clip show, a little uh, montage of Freddy movies set to Bobby Lewis's Tossin' and Turnin'. Which uh, I will I will weird. share in the show I will share on the Twitter for everybody. Please but it's do. like yeah. it's all six movies and it's just perfectly edited. Um, and the only copies you can find of are like you know bad VHS rips. But Sam Kinison introduced it and he, you know we lost a great man this year kind of thing. I was gonna say yeah, That's Sam Kinison that dates it even more. Well, yeah. And speaking of that, the um, fake funeral the, the, at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, they had a, a big fake funeral. Um, Several members of the cast and crew, not only of this movie, but of Freddy movies past showed up. Very emotional, I guess. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Like, they were they were all acting. You could tell that they were deliberately acting like they were crying, now, even though obviously this, they were having uh, a good time. This kind of is like side by side with, um, didn't the Dark Half come out around sometime too? I'm sure, yeah. It was not New Line. I apologize. The Dark Half was or- Orion. But the book, me. right? Like, like, I wonder if like they, they got... Kind of got that idea. This is like a year after. This is ninety. Earlier, ninety was dark half. I cannot um, believe that they would have been influenced by the dark half. But I actually. uh, Sorry, new nightmare maybe. No, new nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the posters I remember really liking actually was um, uh, I don't know if it was theatrical video. It had like Freddy's sweater, his claws, and his hat in front of a tombstone. It said Fred, but it was funny because it said Freddy Krueger whenever he was the first. 
yeah, whatever year the first movie came out to 1991, I'm like, wait, so he was 10? He was seven years old. Which is even more incorrect because apparently this movie took place in 1999. But he was killed in 1966. But even if you go by the term, like if you go by the theory that the first movie set in 79. Oh, my God. I don't even know. Still not as convoluted as the Halloween timeline. No, no. The Friday 13th timeline is wild. Big old mess. I can't wait to talk about it maybe one day <laughs> all right well let's uh let's move on to our next category we're going to talk about our feelings and of course give it uh, uh was it between one and four finger knives in the category I, I, i'll I tell you what it's, uh, i have to remember that's four because that's why i gave please five. remember that's it's freddie does not have five finger knives he only has four <laughs> finger five knives really good but I, I overrated it because of, uh, of my confusion about finger knives i know anyway. and it's locked in you can never change it to <laughs> it's, it's you can't we don't retcon this podcast like a lot of franchises do uh okay here's our next category i got a really bad headache but i want to stay awake what should i take it's too late Kruger. I know the secret now. This is just a dream. You're not alive. This whole thing is just a dream. I want my mother and friend again. What? I take back every bit of energy I gave you. You're nothing. Okay, I'm going to kick this off. I was really going to be even harder on this movie initially, when I, even as late as last night. But last night, for the first time, I watched The Marsupials Howling 3. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, which that? is... Wait, why did you watch that? I mean, you're I'd never seen it. I, I just never saw it. That was one of the Howling movies I never saw. Sort that of, one is sort of interesting. It's, Very Australian. It's interesting. This is another example of like, okay, here's this press release about what this movie is going to be about. You're like, oh, fascinating, you know, interesting. It's so boring. It's not scary. It's not funny. I should have known it was the same person who wrote and directed Howling 2, which is also unintentionally hilariously bad. But Howling 3 is so boring and awful and just... It's like amateur I, hour. It's amateur hour. So, about, like, but what, what, so many so bad they're good movies. Like you watch them, you're like, man, this isn't even zany. It's just kind of shitty. There's nothing. Boring. There's nothing so bad. It's good about Howling Three. It's boring. That's the worst thing about it. It's just a boring experience. So I wanted to say that because I cannot, in my right mind, as an analytical critical person, give Freddy's Dead the same rating I would give Howling Three: The Marsupials. So saying that, out of four, I will still give this two finger knives out of four. Because while it is not a good movie, there's still some redeemable parts about it. I think it's the worst nightmare movie by far. Not as bad as the marsupials. So that's that's my backhanded compliment of the year. I'll say that. Dan, what about you? Let's go across the pond. Oh, man, I feel like I'm usually the most generous one. But um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with a finger knife and a half for this oh, yeah. one. I mean, it is hard <laughs> for me to get through. I mean, it, it's, you know, it has, it has that central Carlos sequence, which like almost makes it a little higher for me, but then yeah. it just goes right back to being crappy. And it's any movie that, that, and you're talking to the guy who, who like, likes Jurassic world, you know? So any movie <laughs> that, um, or enjoys Jurassic world, I should say any movie that I need, I have to get through in like three sittings, which was the case, even this time around, I, I got to knock it. So yeah. And, and I agree by far and away the, the worst nightmare movie for me. I mean, the, the series leading up to the remake, I don't think I would give any of them like less than, 
two and a half or three. So yeah, this is yeah. this is a, a blade and a half for me, finger knife and a half from old Dan. Uh, Mike Vanderbilt. I obviously like this one a lot more than everybody, and here's why. <laughs> uh, to repeat a point, I go, keep going back to the. You know, the Fred or the Nightmare on Elm Street movies are very imaginative, mm-hmm. and uh, I think this one has a lot of good in it. Like it's rewatchable enough. Is it as good as the first five? No, it, I mean it's not as good as New Nightmare either. Mm-hmm. It's better than the remake. It's better than Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, I'm interested in that episode because I don't know how I'm gonna feel about Freddy versus Jason now. As far as sixth entries in the uh, the the horror franchises, it's probably below Jason Lives. Yeah, but oh, yeah. <laughs> light years ahead of Hellraiser six or God help me, Halloween six, The Curse oh, of Michael Myers. See, we're known we're known for our our our, our, our respect. Oh, admiration of I would say admiration of Curse of Michael Myers, but anyway, continue. continue that's please. your problem. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, terrific soundtrack. Um, I think the word the, the biggest problem with uh, Freddy's that it is just a franchise that has run out of steam mm-hmm. more than anything because there's still imagination there, and it is unfortunate that the most imaginative of the horror franchises ends with a knife fight. In a basement, people like just tumbling on the floor. Yeah, I mean, the other it's, ones. it's there's, there's no thought there. Yeah, it's disappointing, but I think it, was, it had run out of steam. And I will give New Line credit for this. And Jason goes to hell. Like you were joking about the last mm-hmm. Freddy, but they stuck to their guns for okay enough time on this one. Because if you consider New Nightmare, it's I think it's a totally different thing. Its own yeah. thing. Like the next uh, Freddy movie didn't come out until. 2003, 2002? Yeah. yeah. So they, yeah. they stuck with the guns on like Friday the 13th the first time, which had the, the, the new the beginning, year, out, new beginning and, came out, out the next year. And the year after that, Jason lives, you know. So I think, yeah. Um, is it as rewatchable the other ones? Not as much, but I would not turn it off if it was on AMC Fear Fest on a, you know, a Wednesday afternoon around October. So I'm going to go with two and a half finger knives. All right. All right. I'm going to give so it here. one finger knife and a distorted hearing aid. <laughs> okay, all right. I all right. think well, let me that get the, let me get I, agree, the I agree with you, Justin. Uh, I agree with you on the rewatch factor. This is this is one I don't actively rewatch, but it was like a it wasn't like a boring rewatch. You know, like there's a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, the whole time I was just like I don't remember any of this. Yeah. So it was actually like an interesting rewatch for me. And there, it's it wasn't it wasn't Howling Three the Marsupials. <laughs> it's, it's easily the worst one of the series. To, personally, I'm very interested in re and in watching the next. Well, New Nightmare that doesn't count. I mean, I, I love that movie, but I'm really interested in watching the remake and then also watching J- Jason vs. Freddy because I, I've only seen those movies like once in the mm. theater. Mm. So I'm really excited to go back and actually give those another shot. But this film. Um, it was always my least favorite and, uh, it's, it's just so far below four and five for me, you know, like I could put an, I can give an order to one through five, but they're all really close. Like you were saying, they all kind of run this meridian line of like pretty solid continuity and Mm -hmm. uh, for franchises that ignore continuity all the time. I thought that those first five are really good. And I really, I think I dislike this movie more because especially now knowing that they were going to maybe have some continuity there. And I was like, man, that's, this would have been like one of the most solid continuity franchises of all time, but they just, uh, so they walked away. You Why? You know, it's, I mean, it's it weird, even if the movie existed in its 
current state of quality, like not being that good. If they had just made made it so that John Doe was was the the kid from Jacob, yeah. like you could even keep the movie pretty much almost the same and and just have that, and that would just connect it a little bit more. Because that would like, that could have just that could have easily just been like a little nod for the hardcore yeah, fans. Exactly. So you just see it like. At, at you know at some point in the background or something in one of the offices and you're like oh it's jacob but if you didn't catch it you didn't catch it kind of thing you know yeah like it would just bind it because it just it, i said before it feels like such an outlier even more so than like freddie versus jason from the, the rest of the movies yeah well i think altogether it comes to 1.89 i did the math in my head 1.89 gerberlytics uh, coming to the forefront 1.89 like, finger knives out of four <laughs> It's like playing whose line is it anyway, and you get a million points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to give you another two million. Um, here's something I want to do here. Mike Vanderbilt and I are not on the next episode. We should do this in the future if we know we're not going to be future episodes so we can give our noses, or excuse me, that's a crossover, <laughs> our finger knife ratings. So Dan and Mac, don't say anything because you're going to be on Wes Craven's new Nightmare episode, I believe. So you're, you're just going to give your ratings and not talk about it. Yeah, right? I'm just going to give our ratings. Yeah, so yeah we're just, doing a whole other three Here's, here's like, 20, here's like, 20 more minutes. tag that onto the so, I'm going to put Mike on the spot. Well, I'll give mine first. So in terms of the Nightmare on Elm Street universe, okay, keep that in mind. Yeah. And with not, without going to the explanation, I give Wes Craven's new Nightmare three and a half uh, finger knives out of four. I it's, give, it's my second favorite. I give it three. Okay. Out of four. Three out of four. Yeah. Finger knives. Three out, three, three out of four <laughs> finger knives. All right. There you go. You, ha- you heard it here first. So that's a little bit of a teaser for the next episode, which I think we're a little higher on overall than... Um, and phrased it, but Mike, thanks again for coming in. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having it's me. It's always good to have a voice yeah. of positivity. <laughs> I hate, even if I hate something, I don't like sitting here and just, and just, and just overwhelmingly that. bash something for two hours. It's not fun for me, you know? As much as I talk shit about the Halloween sequels, like, it's still fun to talk like, about. Like, Two is a slog, but it's okay. Three is weird. Four and five are a drag, and I make fun of six, but like, I get what they're trying to do. I rewatch all those things. Did you say two is a slog? I think two is boring. Oh, man. Well, listen. Part two. It's so confusing. Yeah, which part two are you talking about? Are you talking about Rob Zombies? You're talking about David Gordon Greens? You're talking about about Halloween Kills. Oh, Halloween Kills. That's also Halloween, which is technically Halloween two of this new trilogy. My head's going to explode much like Carlos. So, what better way to go out than by saying whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Consequence Podcast Network.